Welcome to See You Next Tuesday. I'm Jade Chung. I have my second ever guest returning to this podcast. My first was obviously my husband, and he's been on three times, but my next guest returning. Everyone has been waiting, and some people have messaged me and said how wild this past episode was and how much they enjoyed it. Now, after interviewing this person, not interviewing, but like talking to this person, I knew right away that I had to have him back. So let's not wait any longer. Let's welcome back Rico Montana. Rico, thank you so much for coming back and doing my podcast again. Uh, thank you for having me. That oh my introduction kind of just put pressure on me. Oh, no. like people actually listen to what I have to say. You know? Well, you know, after we stopped recording, we started talking about more of your stories. And then you're like, oh, like I have a ton more. I'm like, well, you need to come back. <laughs> you need to yeah. come back and tell them. And so but I felt people- the same way. You felt the same way? Like you, you wanted. Yeah, like I felt like, um, like, you know, it could have went like seven or eight hours. Like I was oh my like, gosh, wow, yeah. thir- Easily. 13, 13 years of my life is, is just, you know, kind of coming out of me. And it was just like, hey, keep rolling, keep rolling. And I was just like, oh, I forgot to mention this. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, it's a long time. Very long time. And with, with people messaging me about it, and I said, well, I'll keep a lookout. He's, he's, he's going to come back because he's got a ton yeah. more stories. <laughs> And they're like, oh my God, I can't wait. So I would love to start off and see how you've been doing. Now we're both in Canada and obviously Canada is absolutely slow in trying to get things back to normal. How has COVID affected you? During this entire, uh, what, how many months it's now? It's going to be like 17, 17 months, 18 months. Uh, March. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've had my days. Like, I mean, majority of it, I just, I think I, I was okay. Like Mm. I was just keeping busy and, you know, figuring out like, okay, this is what's going on. So how am I gonna, you know, achieve more from this or like, you know, what can I do? Um, so, but I had my days, like, uh, it was my birthday at the beginning of the month of June. Mm. Yeah. And like, that was kind of like shit. Cause it was like, you know, spend the day like family and stuff like that. And then it was just like, I just wanted to go to movies, you know? And then yeah. like, you know, it's closed. And then it was like, um, I don't know how to explain it. Like the way I, I kind of, the term I kind of use is life. Like I actually like miss life around me. Like, um, I'll give an example, like say you're going, I don't know. One of my favorite stores to go to is kitchen stuff plus. So <laughs> say it. and where the kitchen stuff plus is near me is like, there's a winners and there's a home Depot and it's a busy plaza. So, you know, like what I consider life is like, say you're pulling up and you're going to one store, but you know, there's like, you know, four people like having a coffee and talking. And then there's another, like two people like sitting down on the bench, having, you know, ice cream talking. And it's like, to me, that's life. And it's just like, you know, the air's dead. Cause like none of that's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so it's depressed like uh so yeah i i, I miss uh life around me mm-hmm. and i just want to remind everyone that you are also josh's coach 
And so you know a whole ton about health. Speaking of COVID, mm-hmm. one of my concerns was vitamins. And when um, COVID became like a really, really big issue, Josh turned to you uh, about mm-hmm. about it and you gave him some um, recommendations, protocol. right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What did you tell him to take? Uh, so I told COVID. yes. So one of my mentors who's a doctor uh, in Ohio. Um, so I was talking to him about COVID like at the very beginning, and then he basically was explaining to me uh, like look into like A, B, and C, and then like you should be able to figure out like what impacts different system uh, systems because what COVID impacts. So mm-hmm. it's pretty much like you know mainstream like vitamin D, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's vitamin D, then I recommended vitamin A to him because that's amazing for like respiratory. Like even sometimes if I'm like, if I'm traveling quite a bit and I'm on airplanes, I'll like super dose vitamin A just to kind of like clean anything like in my respiratory tract that I've gotten from being on planes or just being around big groups of people. Right. Um, then I suggested to him selenium, which is antiviral. Um, so it's just good for you. So like, if you're not. Like if you're someone who doesn't eat a lot of nuts, like um, you're probably like low on selenium, which selenium is good for a bunch of things, but it's antiviral. So you're not really losing anything by taking it. Hmm. Um, and then uh, zinc and then quercetin, quercetin. Uh, the simplest way I could put it is like when you take zinc, you need it to latch on to something to actually become like bioavailable in your system Mm -hmm. so quercetin is like kind of like something that'll help shuttle it so it's not something you have to take like all your life but it's like you know if you're afraid that you've been exposed or if you have it it's like those are things that they're not going to hurt you they might not save you but they're not going to hurt you right now is this all pill form like you have to find it all individually you know bottled (laughs) You're yeah not like, like that's the unfortunate <laughs> like yeah but they're not all pills like they're capsules too so um like i have clients and stuff who don't really like taking things but like some of them kind of need it so what i suggest to them is like um like say for instance like you have like a meal that you blend like say a protein shake with some oats and you know, berries or whatever mm-hmm. like you could just pop the capsule open and put it in there oh like the powder like it doesn't right. necessarily mean you have to swallow the capsule. You can just open up the capsule and put it on a spoon, mix it in a glass of water and drink it. Um, unless you're taking things like cayenne pepper, I, like nothing really tastes that bad. Hmm. Cause um, I myself hate taking anything in pill form. So yeah. it's, it's hard for me to, um, you're not alone. That. <laughs> like it's, it's actually common. It's just the whole thing is just like sitting back and just being like, no, I won't take it, but think outside the box a little bit. Like um, the thing I, I, I don't know, this is, I'm not going to argue with people about this, but I just think vitamin D that comes in liquid form is shit. I think the majority of the stuff that comes in liquid is shit. Um, oh. So um, like, okay. So anything that's fat soluble, like a vitamin D or a vitamin A, usually fortunately they make them like super tiny, like, I don't know, like half a quarter of the size of a blueberry. So, I mean, they're not like hard to swallow. And if it bothers mm-hmm. you, the fat soluble ones, just get a pin and just pin and just suck the juice right out of it. Huh. Like at least, you know, like what you're getting, right? Yeah. 
So how come the liquid form isn't as, it's just not as powerful? Uh, no, I, it's just hard to get um, steady um, dosages. So like, I'll give an example. Say you have a bottle and on the bottle it says, I'm just going to make it simple. It says there's 100 uh, milligrams and then there's 10 servings, right? Mm, right. So you'd assume, you know, 10 servings divided by 100 is 10. So each serving will be 10 milligrams. But how do you know if they're putting vitamin into liquid, like maybe one serving will be all vitamin and the other nine servings will be all just the liquid oh, that's, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like, I see what you um, mean, yeah. yeah. And then there's a lot of like research papers that I've read that just kind of show that. And I'll be honest, I didn't pay like that much attention to it because I don't see it being a big deal. But, um, you know, there's just a lot of research showing that, you know, encapsulated vitamin D, for instance, um, is just more steady and is more effective and works better and is more absorbable than the liquid. But I'm sure there'll be people to argue to counter that. So that's just my mm -hmm. personal opinion. Mm -hmm. So if you were to say to me, like, you know, if it was absolutely you had to take it, yeah, it's better than not taking anything. It's just, I would probably just give you higher dose than you probably need just in case. Right. Or make you go get tested to and see if it's working. Do you recommend multivitamins? Not really. I mean, like if you have like, you know, obviously like there's different factors when you're working with people and economics are one of them. So, I mean, if, you know, if, if you get priced out of being able to make your own multivitamin, then yeah, okay, take one. But I think it's better just to make your own because if you walk into a vitamin store, you know, everything on the shelf is good for you, but is it really good for you? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's individual, right? So right. you might not, you might not need it. Like, um, mm -hmm. women tend to need more iron than men. So if you go buy just a standard multivitamin that doesn't contain iron or not enough of it, then you have to add to it. And then another thing too, is the vitamin D that comes in multivitamins is so minimal. Oh. Like I can just give you a brief thing without getting too boring about vitamin D. But when I moved back here from Mexico and I go to private healthcare, but I also had an OHIP doctor, but so my private healthcare doctor, he checks my vitamin D four times a year. So when I was telling him I was suffering from certain symptoms, he's like right away, test your vitamin D, test my vitamin D and I'm, it's non-existent. And I'm like, yeah, but I take like 3000 IUs a day and I'm still non-existent. So yeah. For me to be in the normal range the last like seven, eight years, uh, in the winter months, I have to take about 15 to 20,000 I use a day, uh, just to be normal, not to be optimal. And then, um, usually like around like mid May, June, like when I do the next set of like another set of blood work, I do, um, mm -hmm. I could, I could usually bring it down. So like, I'll give you an example. I just did blood work a couple of days after my birthday. So like about three, four weeks ago. And uh, I still have to take 10,000 IUs a day just to be normal. And it's summer and I'm outside all the time and have a pool. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when people like give out these like standard, you know, and I'm not going to say their names, but people, have, you know, message me saying, oh, like I watched this YouTube video and this is this person said I should take this. And it's just like, yeah, well, this is a person doesn't even know your name. How the fuck are they telling you how much you're supposed <laughs> to take? You know, like, so... <laughs> You know, I suggest everyone, our government, it's a piece of shit in Canada, but pay the $39 and go get your vitamin D tested at least twice a year. Like, so $80 a year, I think you can even write it off on taxes if you don't have insurance. But 
uh, I think it's super important to get it done in like November and then getting it done again, in like May, June. Hmm. Yeah. I can hear Josh right now. Like when he, when he listens to this, he's going to be screaming saying, I've been telling you to take vitamin D and you won't listen. And <laughs> here I am just like kind of absorbing everything. Yeah. And well, my wife know. doesn't listen to me. <laughs> like we're working through all this COVID stuff. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was like, you know, you should take it, get it. No, 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 it's fine. You know, I don't need pills. I don't need anything. Cause like, I don't know, maybe you have the same mentality. She just thinks that like taking a pill is like taking drugs and then it's like a bad thing, you know? Like taking vitamin D is like taking cholesterol medication, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. Speaking of your wife, your wife is mm -hmm. a nurse, right? Yeah. And where does yeah, she, she's a nurse. Uh, uh, sorry, at a retirement home. How has the pandemic been for her? What's her experience, especially uh, in a retirement home? Yeah. Working like crazy. Like I, in a way I kind of think it was good. Cause I think like she's kind of like me where you just don't like to sit at home, like sit still, you know what I mean? Like, and especially when you're forced, like, can't even like go to the mall for a walk. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think it would have been hard on her. Uh, I think they had like, yeah, I don't know. No, not I think they had 102 people with COVID, like employees and um, staff and oh, residents. Yeah, yeah residents. that that had COVID. Um, fortunately, none of them were too bad, other than a coworker of her husband who's like bad. Like he got it like just before Christmas, and he still can't walk up the stairs, um, like without having breathing issues. So he's like in and out of like therapies and stuff mm -hmm. um but yeah everyone like all the geriatric people like the older people there's they survived like they're fine they bounce back yeah did that yeah, like, um did that person have any prior like medical issues i don't know like um just from the little that i know because i offered some assistance like you know maybe like if you ate a little bit better if he's a heavy guy like him some weights give him some basic pointers so he, he's not like he's overweight, like not obese, but he's like overweight and he's not like, he's, he's fairly sedentary. So, I mean, like, you know, that's not a contributing factor, but when it comes to the COVID thing is like, um, say there's like a thousand people that, you know, that have COVID and they just got the sniffles and they were totally fine. Mm -hmm. Like for me, cause it's like my job, um, like there's 10 people that when I tell like, I don't say it to scare anyone. It's just like reality. It's like, you know, there's like about 10 people for every thousand that are fucked up so bad from this that mm -hmm. like, um, I don't know how to put it. It's like, they're not like what the, I don't want to call it conspiracy, but like everyone thinks like, okay, people who get bad COVID have diabetes or they have some metabolic issues, but there's people that like, when you see their blood work is like phenomenal. And then they just, I don't know how it works. Like maybe they're too close to people or whatever, but they get hit hard. Mm. So, I mean, like it's not the majority are, you know, people with metabolic issues that get hit hard, but there are a few that, you know, that just kind of like weird, like they must've been in like extremely close proximities or like in very poorly ventilated areas, like with someone for a very long time. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like, uh, I believe in the virus. I just don't necessarily believe in the, the way that our government at least is going about it. Mm -hmm. Did your wife get COVID at all from working 
you know, long hours nah, and working so much. I don't know if she, I don't know if she got COVID, but she never tested positive. So like, but there's like things that like I would make her do that like she like I don't know that can guarantee you won't test positive. But like even if you have it, so I don't know if she got it, but mm. um, like I don't know. My mentor, like who's the doctor at the beginning of this, said to me like the only way you're gonna really know if someone has COVID is if they do a chest X-ray. And if they're testing 50,000 or 100 or 150,000 people a day, they're not going to give them chest x-rays, right? right? So he said at least what he does is people who come into him and say, I tested positive with a test up your nose. Mm-hmm. He just uh, puts them on the chest x-ray and then, you know, some of them don't have it, you know, so they might have like some viral load in their nose, but didn't make it to the lungs. And those are oh. like majority of the people who just have the sniffles. Like, you know, like people who say like, oh, I don't even, I'm asymptomatic. It's like, right. well, for whatever reason, it didn't get into your lungs. And I don't know what's real and what's not real, like in terms of why some people don't have anything and some people have it. So like you could take like certain nasal sprays that like clean virus, like not COVID, but like just like common cold. You could like spray that stuff up your nose and then uh, go take a COVID test. You'll come up negative, even if you have it. Interesting. Yeah. Because it's basically what it's doing is it's just taking uh it's, it's just getting rid of virus, but it's only getting the virus in your nasal cap, right? So if they're putting a stick up your nose, like, well, your nose is clean, but like, doesn't mean that's on your lungs. And then like a lot of people who get like seriously like ill from COVID are, are as, as many weeks after COVID's out of their system. So it's like, they're just getting the, you know, the after effect. Like uh, oh. I have a client, I have a client who tested positive and then like three, four weeks later, he couldn't even make it to the bathroom from his bed and then like wow. went to the hospital and then, you know, it was on oxygen and he had to be on oxygen at home. And then like he was on steroids and then the blood thinners and the whole like, you know, but it was weird, not weird. It was three to four weeks post testing positive and having cold symptoms. So he thought he was totally like fine. And then just one morning he just couldn't get up. So Holy. yeah, it hits everyone differently. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. My whole mentality on it is like, I believe the virus is real. I don't want to catch it because I don't want to catch a cold because I'm the biggest bitch you'll ever meet. Like when I'm sick, like I hate everyone. <laughs> so, you know, like I just don't want to, I don't want it, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stop my life. Like I have to keep going. Right. So. And if you think I'm an asshole and a spreader, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. like, but I, you'll never find me at a protest, even if you held one for me. So I'm not like into like all that stuff. Like, but uh, yeah, I, I find that the biggest problem we're facing in society now is it's like people have to pick a side. Like no one's neutral. It's like you can just respect that the virus is there, but you can also not agree with having to be confined to your home. You know, like, right, or like yeah. not letting kids go to school or, mm-hmm. you know, you can go to Walmart to buy spinach, but you can't buy underwear, you know, like, yeah. oh those, my gosh. like the stupidity, of it, right? So that pissed me off. So yeah. Bad. <laughs> I just, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you save a lot of money because you're not going anywhere, right? Yeah. So, yeah. That's why but, I took some but, trips. Yeah. But with, <laughs> but yeah. with that comes like some sort of depression as well because you're not getting out of the house, but, um, 
So you do lifestyle management and it's all yeah. virtual. So anyone who's interested will will give your contacts at the end of this podcast yeah. or in my show notes as always. Mm-hmm. Um, so since you're doing it virtual, you have clients worldwide. Yes, I do. And mm-hmm. since, you know, talking to all your clients, did you get a lot of clients that got COVID and yeah. in which country were the majority? Um, okay. It's just hard to think like the majority is just because like majority of my clients would be Canada one, US two, and then like I have clients in Venezuela, I have clients in Chile, I have clients in Panama, uh, like a lot of like Spanish speaking countries because it's easy for me to translate and I have a lot of friends in those places. I actually have family in Venezuela. Um, I have, I have a ton of family in Italy like my dad is the youngest of 14 so oh my goodness yeah and what? we only have like one cousin in Canada so his whole family he's the only one who's left alive now so um like all my family is basically in Italy so um like you know so working with some of them like on the more fitness side like the way I work with like say Josh then mm-hmm. like they would get me um referrals because that's the way my business works referral system so um I call certain countries like don't give a fuck countries. So, but like I was talking to someone about this yesterday. I was like, you know, like Mexico, don't give a fuck. Italy, don't give a fuck. Venezuela, don't give a fuck. Like they're just going amongst their life with this virus around them. Now, you know, more people than I expected died in Mexico. Mm. But then I've also like talked to my friends there and been like, you know, like how's the COVID situation say in a specific town? Like I talked to one of my friends when I lived in Acapulco who like from the gym, like he's part owner of the gym there. And, you know, we used to hang out quite a bit and work out quite a bit and just asked him like, has affected business or, and he said straight, he goes, people die here every day, but I don't know anyone who has COVID. Now let's go across the country to a client I had in like a little up North, like in Monterey. And he was saying like that, people around him were dying left, right, and center. And it was terrifying them because they weren't old, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this is, mind you, more towards the beginning of COVID, not so much lately. Mm-hmm. Um, but people were still working and stuff there. And then, like, even Italy, which is kind of, like, communist, where it's, like, just to give an example, in Italy, it's, like, you get this thing on your license plate. So, say, like, I'm in Markham, right? So, mm-hmm. imagine I had on my license plate a sticker that said, I'm from Markham. And then, mm-hmm. like, I will, but I like the grocery store like in Richmond Hill. So I drive over to Richmond Hill, which is like two minutes away. If if you get caught there, it's like a thousand dollar fine. So that's oh. what they're doing in Italy. So like um Interesting. I got a cousin from like one like kind of village, and then like he's like just fuck all in my village where I live. Like, but I go shopping over there and like and they would just tag you, right? And then there was other cousins I talked to in other parts of Italy where they're like, well, the mafia basically said they still want their payments every month. So fuck the government. we got to keep working. So like I call them like, don't give a fuck, you know, countries or cities, you know, <laughs> like, cause they were just going amongst their business, but it was kind of cool. Like to me that like, I'm not a huge news watcher, but when you talk to clients, you're hearing a lot of stuff, um, the perceptions of other countries. And then when you actually talk to people in those countries, it's not the way it is. 
Like that's wow. what I found interesting. So to say like, um, I, I don't know anyone in Northern Italy, like that's more the white collar part. Like uh, none of my family's that. So like, uh, we don't really know anyone other than if someone's working there, but I personally don't know, but you heard a lot of people were dying up North, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know, but, uh, in Venezuela, sad stories I'd hear like, cause you know, like, uh, one, one girl I work with same kind of style I do with like Josh and other people when it's like more like, uh, cosmetics, like the way they look. Um, okay. she was, uh, she was putting on her Instagram um, like that one of the neighbors needed oxygen or money for oxygen. So if like people can support, there's mm-hmm. like no one like there, it's like government is honest. They tell you, they don't care about you. They don't lie. Like ours does, you know, like, so mm-hmm. um, uh, like, that's why people like I say, don't give a fuck countries. Cause like those people understand that like they have to defend for themselves. So like, that was kind of sad to hear, like, man, you're going on Instagram to see if anyone has extra oxygen tanks, you know, like, or money to try and have a contact, like to get oxygen tanks. So I I think, I think it, uh, to say one country got hit harder from people I talked to, I think everyone got hit in a way, uh, that was not good, whether it be, you know, the town you live in had no cases, but you're still locked down. Like that's not good. You know, like then you got a lot of suicides and alcoholism and all that stuff. So I think everybody got uh, affected from this virus and the way they uh, handled it. Like, I don't think anyone's coming out of this year and changed the same person they were before it started, Mm -hmm. regardless who you are or how much you fake it. Like everyone's impacted somewhat from it. Yeah. And you mentioned right before this that you actually went to Mexico and Italy yeah. just recently. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I went to watch a soccer game in Italy, uh, Italy against Switzerland. I went to that game. Um, yeah. And then I went to Mexico for four days uh, just to see some friends. Wild. And okay. So, like, tell me, um, tell me everything from like when you left Canada, right? So, mm-hmm. like, airport stuff, when you left Canada. And then what it was like in Mexico and in Italy, and then what it was like to come back home. Okay. So where, where I, when I went to Mexico, I flew to the U.S. So technically you, so, I'm... Okay. So you went like from I flew, like Pearson, I, I went right? from Toronto to Houston. Yeah. So I went like from Toronto to Houston and then from Houston uh, to Acapulco. And then when I came back, I kind of did the same route, like Acapulco to Houston. So... Um, I had to, that, at that time when I went, I had to get, which was like, I think a week or two, maybe, or three after we did the last podcast. Yeah. Um, so the rules were a little different. Like I had to get a test coming back home. Uh-huh. And so I did that. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it did to me, it was just like the mask thing was weird, but then the kind of the rules are funny. Cause it's like, as long as you have like water or coffee, you can just take your mask off. And to be honest, there was very little people on the flight. So no one was kind of causing a scene. Like uh, no one was complaining if someone had the mask off too long. I kind of treat it like the seatbelt rule. You know, when you're on the plane, it's like buckle yeah. your seatbelt for takeoff right. and for landing. It was kind of like everyone got your masks up, you know, because you're not supposed to have drinks during that time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, airport was dead, to be honest with you. And then, uh, like, I, I had to quarantine. Yeah. So, like, when I came home, which is fine. And did then, they, um, sorry, did they ticket you? $3,700. They did ticket you? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but, like, everyone was getting it. Like, there was... There was a family, or I don't know, a family, like a mom and a dad. I don't know where they were coming from, but it was somewhere in the U.S. And, like, I could hear them. Like, they were at the booth next to me, like, talking to immigration. And they were showing, like, pictures of, like, their daughters outside, like, waiting to pick them up. Yeah. And then they were, like, fighting. Like, the guy's like, nope, don't care, don't care, don't care. And then they were, like, traumatized that they got a ticket. And I was just like, who gives a shit? Like... I don't know. Like the way I look at it is just like, okay, like take it to court. It'll be 2028 by the time like it makes it there. And you're probably going to get a letter in the mail saying, pay the $200 and we'll forget about all this stuff. So you pay 200 bucks extra. Who cares? You know, like, I don't know. I just don't feel the need to have extra stress in my life, you know, like for that. And then um, for Italy, uh, it was cool. The only thing that sucked was uh, I couldn't get a flight like, directly to to italy from toronto like i couldn't go direct to rome uh which like it was good and bad so like the game was in rome but i went before so i went to see like my family so my family's from naples so uh i flew from toronto to munich and then from munich i flew to naples so it was kind of like a longer trip than it needed to be um but yeah like i don't know like I just looked at it as like this last year was like, like I'm not like some social person, whatever, but like, I like going for dinner and I like going to movies and it's like, I haven't really done none of that. And then my wife could see like I'm getting stir crazy and she's just super busy with work. So when I was talking to like, I have a very good relationship with my family in Italy. I actually uh, have a small percentage of a business there. So, um, you know, talking to them and they're like, we're going to, like, they're going to all the first three games. Then I'm like, fuck, like, and they're like, why don't you come? And then I just talked to a friend from here and I'm like, let's just go. And then we got tickets and we went and then hung out with family. And, um, yeah, it was an awesome experience. Like bucket list kind of thing for me too. Like I've never been to a European cup. Like I've seen soccer games before, but I mean, to go to the Euros, like, Wow, it's a big thing. So, yeah, and I'm a soccer fan. So, um, so yeah, going down there was cool, and there's no restrictions there. Like, no one gives a shit. So, no masks, no nothing. Well, like, yeah, you kind of have to like have one, but like, you don't wear it. Like, there was a guy sitting, I don't know, like maybe two rows below me, and like three or four seats over that probably smoked three packs of cigarettes throughout the game. So, like, so, you know, his, where was his mask? You know, like, and people are going crazy and, like, having a good time. And, like, I don't know. It's just, uh, you feel like COVID's over. Like, so, basically, like, the, the route we went, like, I stayed in Naples. Like, me and my buddy stayed in Naples with family and stuff. But we drove. It's almost a three-hour drive, like, to get to Rome, watch the game, hung out there a little bit, and then drove back, like, after. The game was nighttime, so by the time everything was over, we probably left Rome probably around midnight. And you honestly like forget COVID exists. Wow, that must be so nice. (laughs) Yeah, like it does. It isn't. It isn't because then it's like you just kind of get that like 
thing where it's like, okay, I know I got to take a test to come back here. And it's just like, well, what if that tests, you know, yeah, like positive and then, but it's Italy. So it's just like, you buy a test, you know, <laughs> you can buy someone else's negative test with your name on it. Like, oh, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. No, but like, that's just, you know, like that's the only time you think about it in a sense where it's like, you know, you're outside, first of all. Yeah, there's a lot of people, but I mean, I don't know. You're just kind of looking around and you're like, oh, like what's, you know, if you're going to stop living, why did I even come here? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I didn't make out with anyone, you know, like, so I didn't like, you know, didn't get too close to people and stuff like that. Like, but you're close to people regardless because you're in a stadium with like 25,000 people or 30,000. It wasn't full. I don't know what the limit was there, but I think it fits like maybe 65,000 people. It was probably like, maybe it was 30, 30,000, half, but it's wow. a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. And then just being in Rome, I mean, like it's tourist time. So it's like crazy tourism, there, right? So not only for soccer, it's just, it's summertime, it's Italy, it's the capital. And then where my family's from, it's kind of close to like a mouthy coast. So there's like beach area and all that stuff. So there's tourism kind of everywhere. Interesting. Yeah. And so since it was you, a great experience. You mentioned you had that long flight, right? From Toronto yeah. to. I went to Munich and then Munich. from Munich, I went to Naples. Did they force you to wear a mask for that long flight? Yeah. Well, oh. force like, yeah. Like, so you're supposed to wear a mask, but yeah. when you're eating and drinking, you don't have to. So it's more, it's like the seatbelt. Yeah. It's more like, I put it to you like that. Like no one really like bothered anyone. Like, not that I noticed, like I didn't hear any passengers complain and I didn't really witness any, um, uh, like any stewardess or whatever, like you know, yelling at anyone to put the mask mm -hmm. on. It was just one of those things where it was like, and personally for me, it's just like, I don't want to bother anybody. It's like, they're doing their job. It's not like they're right. Rule, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, so I don't know. I didn't see the big deal. Like if I had to just strap that thing on for like eight or nine hours straight, like that would have been tough. Cause mm -hmm. probably she would have like brought out anxiety and jack up your heart rate and stuff like that. But now, uh, was that flight, uh, was that flight busy? Um, I'd say probably about 60% full. Like, okay. um, and this was just yeah. two weeks ago, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. Two, three weeks ago. Yeah. Cause I remember seeing your post. Yeah. I was like, that's wild. <laughs> yeah 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 it was cool like, it was, I, i'm i'm so glad i went and like um i told you this before like i was planning on doing this like i'm supposed to be in florida right now yeah. but um the hurricane and stuff i was just like hey, like i don't want to i don't want to go down there during a hurricane so mm -hmm. um i stayed but now i'm getting tempted to go to england to watch the final because italy made the final so if there's a way i can find tickets I'm gone. <laughs> Good for you. And you well, have you have a place in Florida, though. So. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it doesn't sound too random for anyone listening. No, no. Florida <laughs> for me is like um, I spend a lot of time there. Like so, yeah, I have a place in Florida. Uh, that's you know, my wife and I have debated on whether that would be like a full time home for us. Um, we're not sure yet. Like, mm -hmm. uh, but it's just something that I knew I wanted to have. Uh, so yeah, I have a place there. So no, just, I was only planning on going there like yesterday until Friday, like just three, four days. 
um, just to check maintenance, like neighbors and stuff are great, but you never know, right? Like mold right. and like how hot it is. And then uh, the neighbors are great too. Cause when they get the hurricane warnings, they put the shutters up for us and stuff. So oh. just can't depend on people all the time to do something. Yeah. Yeah. So I just figured I'd go down there for a couple of days and that's it. Cause now they ease the rules. Like I think there's like, you don't have to quarantine or something on the way back. I don't know for sure, but I heard like that they've eased up on rules. Is that just like recent, like a day ago? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I'll be honest. I'm not really up on things, but you hear so much. But I know like talking to my mother, she was saying that um, if you go away and you come back and you're fully vaccinated, uh, you don't have to quarantine at all. Like so you're fully vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. So my parents are I took one shot. Because mm-hmm. I thought, and actually in Munich was the only place I was asked if I was vaccinated. Because when I had to get on the plane from Munich, but I don't know. That's what me and my friend were joking about. We're like, it wasn't like a legal thing where it was like, I think it was just the lady who was nosy. Yeah. Like, because we were like, like, who the fuck was that that just asked if we had been vaccinated? Because I was like looking through my phone because when I got my first one, they sent me an email. Mm-hmm. So I was looking for the email because I thought like maybe I have to show her. But she just asked me, like, do you have a vaccine? And I said, I have one. And then she's like, which one? And I told her I have Pfizer. And then I just re- instantly went to my phone and was like looking for the email. And yeah. then she disappeared. So it's oh. like, you know, and um, that's what my friend was like laughing, like saying, like, maybe she's just nosy because like, you know, I don't know. Like, did they ask your no, friend? No, she just asked me. She was on my side and we we're like standing. She oh. was like, it's on my shoulder. And uh, yeah, but whatever. I don't know. I just look at it like this, like suffering all these months. Like, okay, I got to come home and I got to quarantine for two weeks. And so like, it's summertime, it's home. It's nice outside. You lay around, go for a walk outside. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you can, if you're, if you're in a position where you can be home, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and it's not going to, driving nuts than you know doing something like going to watch a soccer game or like for me at least or like the finals of a soccer game is insane right right so yeah i'll stand because like i'm not i don't work like i'm not working right now like my gym's closed oh is it because you came back from italy that's why you're closed? uh no um so uh i want to say like I've pretty much been closed since like the middle of May because I was having a lot of people get COVID. Oh, so like people were catching it and like, I had to tell everyone else like, Hey, this person caught COVID, you know, like, so some people were getting freaked out. And then to be honest with you, it was more stress on me than I wanted to have to like have to phone everyone, you Mm -hmm. know? And then like, I have certain people that like have to go into work. Like, so it's like, you know, taking two weeks off because they might have something is like not something that they can really do. Right. And I, so I just explained to everyone, I was honest. I'm like, I've pretty much been open the whole time, you know, like, uh, I just need a break. Like just too much for me to like, you know, I'm sitting at home watching a TV show or a movie and having a good night. And then you get this message like, Hey, uh, just test the positive. Sorry. Right. You know, <laughs> it's like, Oh fuck. Well, sorry for you. But like, I got to now reach out to like, four or five other people and some of them are sick and immunocompromised right so they're a little scared and like some of them have been vaccinated so they didn't care but like you know it was just 
getting too much for me where I thought, you know what, uh, most of my clients are used to me not being around the whole month of May anyways, because I usually go to Florida for the whole month. So, you know, so I just explained to them, like, just give me, give me some time to like, let everything settle down. And like, you know, if they want to go get vaccinated, they'll go get vaccinated. And then if they don't want to get vaccinated, that's fine. It's just, you know, if they catch COVID, they're the ones who can't come in. You know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. it's just, it's fucked up. Like, it's a fucked up situation. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you had to close down. Well, I, I wouldn't say I had. Well, I wasn't supposed to be open in the first place. But like, you know, like for me, it was just a matter of like weighing out the pros and the cons of everything. Right. So mm-hmm. it was just like, you know, okay, we went through the whole, you know, terrible parts of COVID. Not one, not one person you know, had got it. No one they knew had it. Like everyone's been like fine. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, like second, third week of May, I'm getting three or four messages like tested positive, um, spouse tested positive, uh, neighbor tested positive, and husband was helping the neighbor build a deck in the back. So, you know, the whole family has to go get tested now. And it's like, okay, so I'm supposed to do what? Wait around for everyone to get tested? You know, like, so before I could get angry, I just thought, okay, you know what? Everyone who's been training the first two weeks of May is in a bonus situation because I'm usually not here in May. So I'm just going to shut it down. Like, just, uh, Mm. you know, like, let's just stay away from each other. And if you caught it, you're not going to catch it again. So that's a great thing, you know? And then Mm. some people are vaccinated, but I have to respect the... uh, like the sick people that I train too, because I don't want to put them in any jeopardy. Right. So, right. Right. Yeah. I was going to open, like I was yeah. going to reopen, but then I was like, I wanted to go away. So I wanted to go away and I went away. So <laughs> like now they got to wait for me, <laughs> you know, like that's basically what it is. You're like, I can, can I fit in another trip? Yeah, remember? Yeah, I think I've always kind of had this thing where it's like I've never done like the planned vacation. I can't travel with people. Like I just I think just the wrestling lifestyle, like just kind of like you just go, you know, like mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not gonna be late for a flight. So if you want to sleep in, go ahead, I'm gone. You know, and it's just kind of like having that mentality. It's like I don't even like traveling with my wife. Like I, <laughs> I never check, I never check in a bag, you know, like I remember one time. I think it was like one of the first two times we ever traveled together. Uh, we were in the airport, like coming back to Toronto. And then I went to the bathroom and I came back and I was like, where's, where's my bag? And she's like, well, the lady came around and she said that, you, you know, you check it in for free. I said, but I don't check in bags, you know, like, and like, it just threw me off. Like, I was like, it was a big deal for me. Like, and then because this is the way life goes, um, this bag that I've been traveling with for like, I don't know, 15 years, which was like in good condition, all of a sudden gets broken because it was checked in. Oh, you know, like, so yeah. So I just want to be left alone when I travel. And I, like I said, I've never really had a planned vacation, like, like super planning. You know, people plan their trips like a year in advance. Like they know the hotel they're staying at and all this stuff. It's like, that's not for me. I just go. Cause I don't know where I want to be in a year. See that no story. Clue. That story hurts my soul because I <laughs> take well. I take care of my shit like mm. so well, and then for someone to mess it up like that. Oh, yeah. See what I mean? That's why I still blame my wife to this day about it. 
Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, remember that Jaguar bag I had? It was so awesome. I'm like, yeah, you checked it in without telling me and you fucked it up. No, be proud of yourself. But yeah, I'm just not someone good to travel with and stuff like that. So I like the spontaneity and stuff. And I don't know. I just like, especially the shit we've all been through like the last year and change. Just like, you know, what the fuck's the difference if I take another two weeks off work? Like, I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, like no one's going to die. And like your diet's in check. And like, you know, if you've been working with me, like I have clients that I've been training for years and years and years. Like I tell you what to do at home and you do it and you'll be at, like worst case you're maintaining. Like if you come back and see me after two months and you're 20 pounds heavier, that means you haven't been listening to anything that I told you to do, but that's on you. You're an adult, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, like, and, and everyone, everyone understands, like everyone's been super supportive. Like, I, you know, I, I I haven't really had any clients like saying like, oh, I'm going to go somewhere else or like, I don't want to be there anymore because you're going away. So they think it's cool because I don't tell them, I don't kick them out when they go on vacation. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, everyone's been understanding and I'm thankful for that. Cause I think, I think we'd be in a much better place in society if everyone was kind of like on the neutral same page. Yeah, I agree. Yep. So for anyone who is actually listening to Rico for the first time, may I invite you to check out episode eight when Rico first did my podcast. And we talked about your pretty much your entire wrestling career, from how you started out and how you left the wrestling industry. But little did I know that you had a ton more stories to tell. Yeah. So I, I can't, I can't wait. (laughs) I can't wait, but there are two things that I was asked to bring up. Okay. I spoke to a friend, RJ city. Okay. And he said, ask about the time that he ruined your hotel shower when you guys were filming monster brawl. Okay. I think I remember this. Oh yeah. This fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyone like who knows me or knows like when I came back to Ontario, like I think the person I spent the most amount of time with was RJ. Like we didn't live far from each other, so we'd ride together and uh I don't know. I think he's like like when you look at him, you probably wouldn't think this, but I think like if he had like 20% more athleticism, like he'd be like top guy in like wrestling just like he just sucks in the athleticism but like his brain for wrestling is like awesome like um yeah when we were filming monster ball he uh yeah he he <laughs> played a character no yeah because at first i was like oh the shower the shower now oh yeah fucker yeah so <laughs> he was he did he played two characters but one was like the wolf man so like they glued all this hair and weird shit all over him i don't know what it was <laughs> So he's like, I got to drive all the way back. And like, it was in like uh, Collingwood. Like, so that's far. Like to drive back to like the city is like two and a half hours. And he's like, I got to get this shit off. And he's like, can I use your shower? And he fucked up the whole fucking, he used all my towels and fucking clogged everything with that fake hair. Oh, just destroyed everything. 
but I have yeah. a story about RJ City that um, well, I have a lot of stories about RJ, but one that always comes to mind is like, okay, so if you've listened before, you know, like um, I rest, I lived in Mexico for a lot of years, and I wrestled down there. I never drove, so when I moved back here and start driving, it was like, like I don't know, imagine not driving for like seven, eight years of your life, right? So oh, wow. um, I'm like very cautious driver, like old man, whatever. <laughs> so I remember one time, like I was with RJ and we went to do this show. I think it was in, like Hamilton and it was like freezing. And then we leave there and there's like a blizzard. And I just remember like being so fucking scared because RJ already sucks at driving. So I was just like totally paranoid in the car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing, but he went and like was changing the radio station or something. And I guess he can't. Like he can't, he had to hit the brakes when he changed the brakes to the station. So all I remember is looking in the rear view mirror and seeing the car behind us doing 360s, like all the way down. Oh, the highway. No. Yeah. So he totally fucked that person up. Um, oh. Yeah. I have a lot of stories. Pardon me? Did you guys stop? No. And okay. you can, and if everyone wants to be on the cancer culture bandwagon, Ben meets I'm an asshole. We're not stopping. RJ drove. So you can go get that celebrity, uh, the big celebrity he is now on whatever oh, man. fucking stupid shows he's in. What did uh, I just do? Yeah, you can go 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 blame him. But yeah, there's a lot of things that will come to me with RJ. But I had a lot of fun with RJ. He frustrated the shit out of me a lot too. But like at the same time too, it was like, uh, yeah, I had fun with him. I used to get in trouble a lot from guys because I used to put him over all the time. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, I shouldn't be putting this guy over, but whatever. It's fake. So later on, you'll be you'll be the host of the the roast of RJ City. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't later know. Later on. <laughs> yeah. For me, I don't know. It's we're obviously older now. So like he's older and like just whatever. Like we got to know each other. So for me, it's like one of those things where it's like. I never treated him like a schmuck because a lot of people did because they have this like old school wrestling mentality, but there's like legitimately things that I'm not going to lie about. Like the guy sucks at any sport that exists. Like, I think we were at a show once and it was a basketball net and we were shooting on the basketball net and just watching this guy shoot on the basketball net just explained everything about his like athleticism. Like just watch the guy try and take a shot in the basketball. Um, so he's lucky he's got the brain for it and, kind of happy for him what he's doing now whatever he's doing he's just all over the place and he has a big following so good for him yeah well he's hilarious his comedy thing he used to do a lot of improvs um you know before he got like famous and stuff but uh well but before that <laughs> even before like when we were like um because i'm like i came from like mexico where it was like there wasn't a lot of this promo stuff and these vignettes and stuff but like so I'm behind in that sense, but like he was doing like when I first met him, he was showing me these videos he was making, but he didn't have the following, so no one saw him. But I actually thought they were great. Like he was doing these poolside vignettes and like some like in his wrestling gear, mm. and like I thought they were great. I think if he put them out now, he'd probably get more attention for them, like than he did back then. Then no one RJ, knew who he was. Look for them. He should, yeah. Go look for them. Yeah. And uh, actually, when I first opened my gym, I trained him here for like the first year. Oh, 
Yeah, that's pretty much the only time you see RJ when he looked good. It's like when he was <laughs> when he was working out here. Yeah. Oh man, poor RJ, just getting roasted. <laughs> I'm surprised that's the only one that he told you about. Like he said to mention about the shower. Well, actually, there's another one more thing that he asked me to mention. Oh, okay, sure. He said, "Ask about Al Barone." Al Barone. Okay. Um, you don't. You don't. Okay. I mentioned Al Barone in the last podcast. So Al Barone uh, came from the same wrestling school I came from. Uh, mm-hmm. He was years ahead. Uh, he wrestled internationally, like all over the world, basically. Um, Japan. Uh, Mexico, Puerto Rico. Uh, he did. What was WWE's farm uh, farm system at one point? Like FCW or OVW? He was there too. Probably. Oh, how long ago was this? Uh, Probably OVW. Yeah, the one in Kentucky. Yeah, so not. Yeah, OVW. Yeah. yeah, so he was there. Um, huge guy. Like. 6'3, 350. Uh, he like Al was like his like last gimmick, but he wrestled under like different gimmicks. Um, like I think in uh Puerto Rico and Japan, he was like Super Viking. Uh, he wrestled as Carla Duke in Puerto Rico, but he had a huge uh oh, program okay, yeah. with uh yeah. Invader. Mm-hmm. I th- yeah, I don't want I don't know for sure if it was Carl or Paul, but like, it was a LaDuke. Like he was like the lumberjack, like so it was like a Canadian family, like those lumberjacks. Yeah. So he did that. What did he say anything specific or he just said mention? No, he, he just he just said ask about him. Yeah. Um GRJ could have been more specific. Yeah. Alvaron's funny guy though, because like he's I don't know, I now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, this guy was right. Like, kind of, like, sucks to say it. Like, you know, when it's like someone tells you something, they're like, wow, they don't know what they're talking about. They're old. And then it's like, five years later, you're like, oh, shit, this guy was right. You know? <laughs> like, um, yeah. Like, Al Brown would give RJ and I a lot of his wisdoms. And, you know, at the time, it was a little funny. But then it was like, uh, it's kind of right. Anything funny that happened between all of you guys? I don't remember. I don't remember. To be honest, I really don't. Uh, I don't think so. I, I, you know what I think the funniest thing would be is just like a conversation happening between Albron and RJ because they're just a contrast of like personalities. So it'd mm-hmm. be like a really, in- and RJ is way too respectful to say anything. You know what I mean? Like to argue it. So I don't know. Tell RJ should have been more specific. I actually just messaged him. Yeah. He's probably too busy looking in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, he's writing. Right now. Is, is he at Baby Gap? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting tank tops. Man, you know, I've been trying to get it. I'm trying to get him to come on my podcast. And with oh, all really? this shit talking, I don't think he'll come on anymore. <laughs> no, he'll come on. Why wouldn't he come on? What's he doing? He loves this. He loves he's, the attention. Uh, he's busy being famous right now. He's typing. He's typing. Okay. We'll, uh... Oh, you want to know a funny story what happened with RJ? Yes, um, I do. Because he's smarting me up. Like, okay. So, because you mentioned Monster Ball. So, we're filming Monster Ball and like, I don't know, they were happy, I guess. And then 
So we're sitting with the producers or standing with the producers, like the people who funded the movie. And like, this is RJ's thing. It's not my thing. Like, I don't know. I did the soap opera in Mexico and I did that kind of stuff, but it was like, I had nothing to do with like the politics and the things involved. I just did my job and that was it. And um, so the guy's sitting there and he's talking about his next movie and how he's going to start casting for it. And he's seen people in monster ball that he wanted to cast for this movie. So then I'm like, what's the movie about? So he, <laughs> he was telling us it was like something to do with spaceships and all this stuff, <laughs> like, and, you know, RJ is looking at him like he's into it. And I'm like, I don't want to, I just said, like, I wouldn't want to be on some fucking stupid, shitty Star Trek garbage nerd fucking movie like that. You know? <laughs> like, so RJ was totally embarrassed. And then after he's like, what do you give a shit what the movie's about? You're in a movie about wrestling monsters. You know, <laughs> like he's like, just take the money, like just shut up and just get on the movie. And I was just like, yeah, I should have just shut my mouth. I just put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> and that's why I was saying, like, when Kingdom is one of my favorite people, it's surprising because me and Kingdom pretty much have nothing in common because he's like into all this like stuff that I used to bother him and say this is nerd shit, you know, like, but mm -hmm. um, yeah. I love Kingdom. I, I listened to the podcast you had Kingdom. But we had the Kingdom. Yeah, anything yeah. to do with Kingdom kind of interests yeah. me. Well, that makes one of us. What's RJ writing? He just um <laughs> okay. Uh okay. Okay, so I said, what about Al Barone? He laughed. He says, I don't know. He used to be in OVW, trained with Rico and Santino. Just look up his promos and you'll love them or you'll love okay. him. He also said, mm -hmm. well, he wanted to date my mom. Oh, and yeah. He, and he also <laughs> said if he was champ, he would go to schools and say, let me talk to the kids and <laughs> inspire them. And he has in quotation marks. And if they told me no, I'd tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So these are RJ and Alberod conversations where I'm just kind of like zoned out because I have zero interest in what either of them have to say to each other. But yeah. So basically, yeah. So everything RJ says was 100% accurate. And I think it had to do with along the lines of like what's going to happen post wrestling. So it's like you make a name for yourself and then people, you know, want to hear from you. So basically, you know, noble things like going to schools and talking to kids and basically saying like the sacrifices you have to make to reach your goals and all this stuff. <laughs> that it was like, I think RJ said something like, yeah, but wrestling has such a bad connection. Like you don't see too many wrestlers that are going to schools to talk to, talk to kids. And that's what he said. I would just tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so from being the noble you know like good citizen you know like to basically telling them to fuck themselves yeah <laughs> okay, i remember that and yeah he um yeah he had a thing for rj's mom he did yep mm -hmm. <laughs> rj's mom is a great lady do you I'm still talk to rj uh yeah here and there like um yeah that's one thing i have to say is like if I message him, he answers back, you know, like, 
And I think because, like, I met RJ when he first started, and I'm not trying to say, like, I didn't do anything for him, I didn't, whatever, but in the small way, maybe I gave him a little bit of safety net in the sense where it's like, you know, when you're the young guy, because wrestling has this stupid rule thing, it's like, you know, everyone treats the young guys like they take advantage of them, like, treats them like, yeah. like idiots. Yeah. Um, there was less of that when he was with me. Um, and then I think too, um, I don't know, like, okay, I'll give another example. Remember we talked about that tour I did with, um, CWI and there was all the big names on it. Yeah. Okay. So I was opening every show and I wanted to work with RJ and they wouldn't let me, but I wanted to. So I worked with this guy named Turk. So that tour was such a shit show. Like not, not in a bad way. Like it was just like, you know, everyone was like having a good time and everything like that. You kind of just want some quiet time. So like this guy, Turk, he had brought his girlfriend on the tour and then he had his own car. So I just asked, can I ride with you? So I was riding with him. So when we got to the last or second last night of the tour, he had a bunch of people he knew like in New Brunswick or something coming to watch him wrestle. So I went to the booker and I said, I'm putting them over. Like, he's got people here. I don't know anyone here. No one cares about me. You know, like, I'm just going to put him over. So whatever, put him over. To Turk, it was like a big thing where it was like, he was so thankful that I did that. Mm-hmm. So I learned in wrestling, some people are thankful that you do that. Where to me, it was not a big deal. Like, maybe I wouldn't have been as nice if someone did that for me. Because I just mm-hmm. don't care if I win or lose. Um, mm-hmm. But I think maybe with RJ... He was always the guy jobbing. And then at the beginning, he was always jobbing to me when we worked together. And then I'm just like, yeah, I just not know. Like now it's time for me to job for you. And uh, I don't know. I think he appreciated that mm-hmm. um, because uh, like he was my friend in wrestling, like uh, like traveling and stuff. And we talk and like socially, we're in, like, we wouldn't be running in the same circles. But, you know, I met his mom. I met his dad, like good people, um, his brother. Um, whatever, like he just became like, he's what I would call like a good wrestling friend of mine. So it's like, anytime I reach out to him, he doesn't big time me or anything. Um, there's, he's, I don't mean like, if this comes across as like insulting, it's not, but like, uh, I, I don't get starstruck, like at least by people I've met, you know, like, I've yet to meet someone that I've been starstruck with, but like there's times when like he would be wrestling somewhere and you could tell he's probably like a little nervous. I don't mean that like in in a bad way. It's just like, I'm wrestling this name. I don't know this name, but you know, the way wrestling rumors go, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I heard he likes stiff people or he'll like really hurt them, whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, he'd message me and he'd be like, Hey, I'm at this show and I'm wrestling this guy, you know? And then I'm like, okay. Tell him I said, what's up? Tell him I said, hi, and make sure he knows that me and you, like, are friends. Like, say friends. Mm -hmm. Don't just say buddies. Say friends. And then he message me after and say, oh, you know, the match was so easy. Like, the guy, like, didn't touch me and he was great. And he actually let me do, like, these things. You know, like, so um, I wouldn't say RJ's using me for that. It's not, like, I I don't want to come across like that. But um, I would do that for him because, I don't know, he's a nice guy. and. He wants to push forward with this. I don't know now. Like now he doesn't seem to need any help. Like, but he's not really wrestling. He's just 
being a host or he's on TV or on the internet or whatever he's doing. But yeah, anytime I reach out to him, if I have a question for him or just to see how he's doing, uh, he always answers right away. I never wait. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing, he's doing really good for himself. He's hilarious. So it's, (laughs) it's, it's working really, really good for him right now. Yeah, he deserves it. Like, you know, um, from where he started to now, like, mm-hmm. like, look at that transition. Like, he didn't stop. He kept going, kept pushing. However, people want to spin it, you know, politics, whatever it is. Like, he entertained people because you don't get to where you are. Like, especially he doesn't have any contacts. He made them all for himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except Pee Wee Herman. He's buddies with Pee Wee Herman. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Which is really weird to me. Anytime he would post it, like mm. he would randomly post it, mm. I would say to myself, no, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> like, it's just weird. Yeah. No, like, you know, I know it sounds weird because it's like, how would you think some guy from like Ontario is like, it's just, you, no, Herman, it's just, but, it's just yeah. funny. It's just funny. Yeah. Cause like I used to love watching Pee Wee Herman, right. When I was, when I was little, Oh, everybody did. So like, that was Saturday morning. Playhouse, it's just, you know, like, yeah, yeah. It's just wild to me in that sense. Not in it, not in the sense of like, Oh, how would RJ know him? Yeah. In that sense at all. But actually, the last time I think recently, or the second last time I reached out to RJ was I saw him a pit, put a picture that he was on Family Feud. Yes. So I was like, I want to know, like, is it like, is it look so easy on TV? Am I wrong? Like when you're watching it, you're like, these people are dumb. You know, like, yeah. how do they not there's know no pressure things? when you're at yeah. home on your couch. And I asked him, like, is it that easy? And then he said, like, it is and it isn't because it says the questions come at you fast. And then. You know, that, yeah, I guess there is pressure, right? But it's like some of those questions are just stupid, you know? Like, so, yeah. Well, good for him that he's doing these things. Like, um, I'm happy for him. Yeah. Yeah. Now, because you've known RJ for so long, mm-hmm. um, you have mentioned of being part of the Rejects of Ontario group. Yeah. Was, was RJ part of that too? Because you guys no, knew each other? No, when, this was when I say after? like rejects, like, yeah, like I meant like before I went to Mexico. Like, so when I first started, it was like, um, I mentioned like Nick Nitro gave me opportunity, like, um, mm-hmm. and then there was like Thorn, and then Thorn had a tag partner for a while. Uh, I forget his wrestling name, his real name was Jay. Um, it was him, and uh, if I'm forgetting people, I don't mean it in a bad way, it was just a long time ago. Um, but it was mainly like those four guys, like, so like, say we'd go like, you know, for me, when I did my first wrestling match ever, like my coach closed down the school, like he didn't want to train anyone after. So I didn't have access to a ring. So it was like, Thorne was really nice. And he would let me like go to his house and use the ring. And then sometimes Nick would have the ring set up. Um, so where frankly, it was like close to North Bay. So it was like very far. And then where Nick would have the ring set up was um, was on a native reserve uh, out by Brantford. I forgot what it was called. Mm-hmm. Osh Weekend. That's what it was. So he had the ring there. So I'd go like to one of those two places. And I think Frank's partner, Jay, lived like on like the Brantford, like close to Brantford. Um, so you go train with them and then they'd be like, hey, there's a show in 
St. Catharines and Niagara Falls. It was like, okay, drive out there, like to go, like try and like not get on the show that night, but just let people know that you're there. And you know, at the time, you don't really see it, but you figure it out later. It's like you, you know, you're part of the rejects. Like you look at the shows you're getting booked on, and you're like, you're not with any of the the better rest, like the better wrestlers, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, like you just kind of got to sit there and just be like, yeah, I guess like in the wrestling click, like I'm part of the loser group, you know, <laughs> like um, there's nothing wrong with that. It is what it is. I and mean, like I made a career out of it still, you know, like and then when I came back, I was wrestling with a lot of those guys that were on the what people might want to classify as better shows. And then um, Thorne has his own thing going in uh, Niagara Falls, but I think when I was wrestling, when I came back still at the time, uh, he was doing hosting tours like uh, Northern Ontario and into Manitoba. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, so there's, I don't know, like a lot of people aren't aware of it. Like I would never have known this unless I wrestled, which um, there's like islands like in Northern Ontario Mm-hmm. Um, that the only way to get there is like to fly in and fly out or like drive over frozen lakes in the winter. And oh my gosh. there's, yeah. And they're native Indian, like people that live there and mm-hmm. they don't leave that Island. Like it's, it's bad. Like, I guess if you don't know any different, it's not bad. But when you look at the big picture, it's like, why can't those people be part of our society? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, so those shows were always great to do for two reasons. One, it's like they're starved for live entertainment, so they're really into it. And then the second part is like, you know, you're if you're wrestling on that show, you're John Cena, you're their Randy Orton, you're like, you know, because they're not going to see these people live, right? right. So um, it's a great atmosphere. Like, I remember... Um, when I was in Manitoba and I would work some of those shows, uh, like when I went to Winnipeg, they would have some of those shows and like, they would have like, um, hundred dollar bonuses for like, uh, star of the night. Like, so whoever, like, oh, wow. got, yeah, it was and like hundred dollars. Like then is like a lot of money, you know, like, cause you're making 25 bucks. So it's 125 is <laughs> like a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was kind of scary driving over those frozen lakes. Not going to lie. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I think Thorne was doing those type of shows uh, when I came back. But I would run into him here and there. Jay, his old partner, I had run into. Um, oh, you know who else was kind of part of the rejects? It was uh, Outlaw Scott Chase. Okay, yep. You know him? Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, he was on those shows. Uh, there was a guy from Buffalo who used to come down quite a bit and uh, Jason Phoenix. He had like a cowboy gimmick. Uh, oh. Yeah. Jay the names Phoenix? are kind of, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I heard a uh, big guy. Awful. Uh, I heard if this is, if this was the Jay Phoenix, mm. I heard uh, he wasn't a good person. I don't know if it's the same guy, like really big guy. He's really big. I don't know. Josh, Josh, Josh told a story because uh, that was his name. He went under Jay Phoenix and he was told that he should change his name because someone, yeah, he had a bad rep. Okay. 
I'm, I don't, that name came to my head, but RJ would know. So where I saw this guy, like he used to come like before, like I went away, like early two thousands, he would come and wrestle like on Nick shows, like, um, in Brantford area and whatever. And I met him there, like some fair shows as well. And then I didn't see the guy or anything like that. And then I went with RJ and someone else. I forget who, but I went with RJ for sure. I went to watch him work in Buffalo. Like I was done wrestling at the time. Like just, I just didn't want to wrestle anymore. So I went with him to watch the show and like Pepper Parks and those people were on it, like the Buffalo crew. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy, well, I'm assuming is Jay Phoenix. So if I'm wrong, I hope someone like lets you know, or even lets me know I'm wrong about the name or I'm right about the name. He was doing like a cowboy gimmick and he's like a chubbier guy, but big, like six two, six three. And I saw him there after, you know, maybe like 12 years, 13 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was doing a cowboy gimmick, but I don't remember what his name was. And it was like super over. So it might be the same guy. It might not. I'm not sure. RJ would probably know better. Whenever I get confused on people's names in wrestling, I go to RJ and he knows right away. <laughs> Like RJ is like he likes that kind of shit, you know. He generally knows gossip too. I'm just gonna like throw in things to bury RJ throughout this whole podcast today. <laughs> oh like how's that? Yeah, just because I was so then, uh, I was so nice to him to everywhere else. Then he'll have to come on and defend himself. <laughs> yeah, I'd actually like love to do one with RJ one time just to kind of remind me of a lot of the stuff we used to do because. To be honest with you, like when you told when the first thing you said was about tell about when you used my hotel room to shower, at mm-hmm. first I was kind of confused. Now when I thought about it, I was just like laughing. And I think um, then it's about the Al Barone thing, and then when you got into detail, like I'm I'm containing myself because I just want to keep laughing and going. But <laughs> um, yeah, he'll remind me of a lot of stuff. So we we had fun. We had fun together. Sounds like it. Yeah. He, oh, there's another RJ story, if people want to know. When we did to do with Monster Ball, I wanted to fucking kill him. So I don't know if anyone's watched Monster Ball, but like where I die in the movie is like Kurgan or Robert Maie, like Frankenstein steps on my head and like crushes my head. Mm -hmm. Obviously had to make like a fake, fake prosthetic head of me. Yeah. So the guys that did the makeup and stuff and they were awesome like the effects they were nice guys but they like looked so nervous that day and they're like so they're like you know you have to make this head they kept going on and on to me about like we have to make this head and then i'm like okay like i don't know i didn't really think of it as a big deal but they obviously knew that it's something and I might have given them the impression that I get cranky once in a while because they were trying to put contacts in my eyes and I just said, fuck this. I'm not wearing any fucking contacts. So (laughs) I just, no, you're not putting shit in my eye. And then I was filming with Nash one morning and neither of us, Kevin Nash, and neither of us had slept the night before. So I don't know. We were being kind of shit servers the next morning. So I don't know if I came across as like a certain way. So they just kept going about, we got to do this prosthetic, prosthetic. I'm like, yeah, whenever. Just like, let me know. And they're like, okay. So I go in the room to do this prosthetic and they have straws in their hands. And then I'm like, what are these straws for? And they're like, you're going to put these straws up your nose. (laughs) I was like, I'm not putting fucking straws on my nose. So they're like, no, trust me. Like, and I'm like, no, I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. 
so (laughs) yeah it's like a i don't know if anyone's done this but like a deprivation chamber it's like the closest thing to compare what i went through to a deprivation chamber because you can't see here it's hard to breathe like you smell like everything's just completely gone and Mm -hmm. i didn't know this so I'm sitting down in the chair and looking in front of me is RJ. So I'm talking to RJ about whatever. And then um, they said, okay, we're going to do the back first. So they start pouring the stuff down the back of my head. So I'm like, okay. And then they poured it in front and I freaked out. Like I jumped, like I jumped out of the chair, like what the fuck? Like, cause just everything's gone. And like they didn't tell you? Did they say okay? Yeah, you know, like they were telling the me, now. but like I don't know what a deprivation chamber is. Like when they're like, oh, it's like a deprivation chamber. Have you ever been in one? I'm like, no, I like I, I was too embarrassed. I don't even know what the fuck that is. You know, <laughs> like so uh they were just like their nervousness made sense to me once the shit went over my, you know, everything. But I did have the straws. So like I obviously could breathe, but like I that was the first time in my life feeling anxiety or panic. And while this is happening, I could hear certain people like chuckling. <laughs> so I knew it was RJ. So I'm like, I'm like, when this shit's off me, I'm gonna fucking kill you, you fucking cocksucker. <laughs> and so they're like, and they're like, please don't talk because it's gonna fuck up oh the formation. <laughs> yeah. So that's like, so imagine like experiencing your first panic attack, but not knowing what that is. Cause that was yeah. my first, like in my life and knowing like that this prick is like entertaining himself and everyone <laughs> else in the room at your expense. But you have, I don't want to go through this again. So I don't want to fuck it up and break it. So I have to just sit there and, and, and shut my mouth. But yeah, he was, uh, cause as soon as that shit came off me, he was gone. And I was just <laughs> like, what the fuck was this prick doing? Right. <laughs> they were like, you know, he was like pretending to smoke a cigarette and like, <laughs> like just fucking with me the whole time. But yeah. how long did how long did it have to sit for? I don't remember, but it felt like forever. Because <laughs> like I, I just will never forget in my life just that jumping up, like just like oh my god, like I didn't know what I was experiencing. But yeah, I, they didn't really prepare me for it. But at the same time, they did. It was just kind of me, just kind of being ignorant and just like okay, like let's just get the shit out of the way. Like who cares, you know, like. It's not a big deal, but when you combine it with me being a prick over, like, that's another thing. I'll never wear contacts. Like, uh, I have this thing with like my eyes, like just fingers in my eyes and like around my eyes and all this thing. I just, I don't like it. So oh. yeah. So I was kind of being a prick with it. Like we want you to wear these contacts and I'm like, well, fuck, I don't care what you want. I'm not wearing like, so I was kind of being a prick cause I was sensitive to my eyes. And then I remember like the one night hanging out with Kevin Kevin Nash, like we stayed up like all night and then it was like straight to the set. And then it was just like, well, let's fuck with these people today. You know, like it was one of those things. Like, um, so it was kind of like not a great impression I made at the beginning and then probably telling the producers that I didn't want to be in the shitty nerd movie. It's oh, like okay. Star Trek ripoff, you know, like, so, uh, then that happening, that humbled me pretty quick though. Like that, that honestly was like scary and just fuck that feeling knowing inside you have RJ sitting there. <laughs> I know he's making fun of me because I hear people chuckling. So I remember I was just saying, don't worry, everyone laughing. You're allowed to laugh. You guys have nothing to worry about. But when I get my fucking hands on RJ. <laughs> <laughs> Until yeah. this day, you have no idea. 
No, I don't know what he was doing. Who knows what that guy was doing? See, now but we need to was, like, find this out. We need to find I out asked, now. Yeah, No, because I asked one of the makeup guys, I'm like, what the fuck was this guy doing? He's like, oh, no, he had like one of the straws and was pretending it was a cigarette. I'm like, yeah, I don't believe that. You know, like something was going on. <laughs> yeah, good times with RJ. I'd, I'd, I hope you get him on the podcast. Like I saw on his Instagram, like he had Nash on his WWE the bump. That's the show. Yeah. So like he, he had him his like Nash segment. on there. Yeah. yeah. And then it was like, you know, like there's a relationship there. It's like, but it was so like, and I thought to myself, like they can't talk about their relationship on WWE because it didn't come from WWE. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, no. hmm. So who but else gave you some though, info on me? No, just him. Uh, he mentioned how much he loved your episode. Oh, he listened to it? Yeah, he listened to it. And I said, well, good news, because I'm going to have him back in a couple weeks. And he's like, yes, fantastic. Yeah. So It's hard to tell with that fucker if he's like being sarcastic or not. Like, I know. Sometimes <laughs> I'll ask him something. I'm I like, trying to be a fucking smartass, you know, like. Yes. It's it's the way he it's the way he talks sometimes. Yeah, like sometimes it's like even so people who know me from outside wrestling that have like met RJ, like whatever in passing or coming to my place or something, and then like he'll say a comment and then like they'll be like, if I said the same comment to you, you'd probably slap me in the face. And then I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, but I'm like, you don't know this guy, like he's a fucking idiot. You know, like he's harmless, you know, <laughs> like even when he met my wife, he's like, I like your jawline. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that's what you say to someone? Like, oh, very that's nice jawline. A, that's your such kids. An RJ are, hopefully, thing. <laughs> yeah, hopefully your kids have your jawline, you know? And I'm just like, what the fuck is like, you know? And my wife's like, her first language is in English. So it's like, I'm like, you understand what this fucking asshole just said? And it's like, yeah, like, it's like my jaw. And then I'm like, yeah, you know, jawline. So it's like, I, like, what else can you say but thank you? It's like, no, you can say, what the fuck does that mean? You know, like, like that's what you can say. So, like, he's weird like that. Like, even when I introduced them to like Al Baron, for instance, and like um, Santino and George. Like, I remember the first time we uh, I took him to Santino's house. Um, it was when Santino was still in WWE, but he was home and he cooked for us. Like, we went to his house after an, an indie show, and then you know he had food for us and stuff like that. And RJ was so like. I don't know, like polite and like not himself. And it's just like, just be yourself. <laughs> like, don't like wait. You know what I mean? Like, cause then when, when Santino started running battle art shows or whatever shows and they started bringing RJ, like he reached out to me and he was like, wow, like RJ's like charismatic and he's got character and he's like, you know, and then I'm like, yeah, it's just like, you won't know that. So it's like, let people know who you are from the beginning. Cause you don't know what that could lead to, especially in our business. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the, the hard See, a lot of people will say, like, and even I've said this before, it's like hard to tell when this guy's working or when he's being himself. But it's like when you really know him, you know what I mean? Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, I'm going to say this, but then you can ask RJ when he's allowed to go on your podcast. <laughs> His nickname, Jerry Sag's nickname for RJ <laughs> was the Night Fairy. Okay. The night fairy. The night fairy. So it was so like innocent how that name happened, but 
Um, okay, so remember I told you we did that tour like out east, like yeah. uh, with CWI. So, mm-hmm. so basically, we went through Newfoundland, and then we got to the the last part of Newfoundland, and then we had to take the ferry to um, Nova Scotia. So what the promoter did was he divided the crew in half. So like half of us went at nighttime, like all the overnight. So we slept mm-hmm. on the ferry and then the other yeah. half went in the afternoon. I guess it's like if one of those things went down or got in an accident, at least he'd have half the crew to do a show. So oh, like okay. if everyone died. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm great. joking. I don't know. That's what someone <laughs> said it was, but who knows the truth? So it just <laughs> happened to be that like I was on the night one and everyone else was on the day one mm-hmm. like or not everyone else other people were on the day one so the nasty boys and scott steiner and xbox uh were on the night one so we were on the night one so rj was talking to someone and they asked like if i was gonna room with rj on the ferry and then rj said no rico's on the night ferry or something like uh something the night ferry and sags just heard him say I'm the night fairy, but I'm not on the night fairy, something like that. <laughs> and the whole tour was like calling him the night fairy, the night fairy, <laughs> like the night fairy. And then they made a gimmick for it. Like uh, he puts on his pantyhose and sneaks into your room in the middle of the oh night. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was just funny. But Did he hate it? No, no, he doesn't care. He's entertained yeah. by that. Like, I, you know what it is? It's like, if you don't like RJ off the hop, you got to like take time to get him. Cause like, I, I don't think this is a deserving of heat, but he would get himself heat. Cause you know, when like you go to like a hotel or a restaurant and then you have to sign in, like you make a reservation, yeah. <laughs> he, he would call himself like Nick Bockwinkle, but like uh-huh. Nick Bockwinkle, I think is one of his favorite wrestlers. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like legitimately. And people mm-hmm. thought that he was insulting these old wrestlers by using their name. But oh, anyone boy. who knows RJ is like, like I had no clue, like anything about, um, oh, what's the guy's name? The famous actor, he died, uh, but they don't know if he died for sure. Jerry Lawler pal drove him and put the thing around his neck. Like he was on Letterman and uh, Jerry Lawler stopped him up. Andy Kaufman. Oh. You know, yeah, Andy yeah, Kaufman. yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't know anything about Andy Kaufman. Like, mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't. And RJ like taught me the whole thing and the Bob Zamunda and like all those things. And I'm thinking like, this guy's like four or five years younger than me. How's he know about the stuff? I don't even know it. But mm-hmm. he's so into like all that, which I think makes him uh, so smart in wrestling. Like even yeah. like Roddy Piper was like. I remember when he met Roddy Piper, like he did a movie with them and he was like picking his brain for like the whole time they were like doing the movie together, you know, like, and you saw like, I saw, it's just like the more you learn about Roddy Piper, um, you could see like RJ's, uh, like kind of psychology kind of comes from, from that kind of realm. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. But we're not here to put over fucking RJ. Fuck him. (laughs) You know, like. So that's enough. That's enough about him. That's enough about the night fairy. <laughs> the night fairy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. See now, if he ever steps, if he steps back into the ring, he should just do night fairy. Night fairy. I think so. Be over. No. <laughs> Especially after this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know when. When I remember, like when they like 
sags kept going on and on like about RJ, like calling the knife fairy. I, I kind of just, I don't know. I had this like repo man kind of thing in my head. Like I had like kind of a repo man with pantyhose, you know, <laughs> like the shut up on his head. <laughs> on his legs. Oh, but RJ is a good guy. Yeah, he is. He is. And I, I feel like, um, in a serious way, like talking about wrestling, it's like, uh, I don't know. I feel like I somewhat contributed to uh, helping him get over more in a sense, by by having no problem putting him over and letting him have like offense on me, which if you look at like me and him, it was like the size thing was like, he got to use his psychology on how to get over on me. And then like, I just sold for him. So it worked. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who actually came up with like the match we did uh, for CWI. Mm-hmm. Like he called the whole thing and like everyone was complimenting like that match. Like people who like I know for a fact don't like me were like, oh, that match was awesome. It's like it was RJ. I just went through the motions. Nice. Yeah. See, we you don't talk all bad things about RJ. <laughs> no, like uh, I'm only gonna put him over a certain extent. You know what I mean? Like no, I'll be honest, like in Ontario traveling around with RJ. I had a lot of fun with him. And like, I don't look at him as like a little brother or anything. Cause he's not that much younger than me, but I don't know. I just gave him respect and didn't treat him like a jabroni. Cause I saw people trying to do that. Like mm-hmm. I remember when we did those tours, they gave me my own hotel. Room. You know, I was like, fuck RJ. Instead of you staying with like three other guys, just come stay with me. You know, like, yeah. um, you know, letting him use my hotel room, like to shower after he was the fucking wolf man, you know, like little things <laughs> like that. It's like, you know, if you don't like, I'm not going to say nobody did that for me. Like, I'm sure people did. Maybe I don't remember and credit them like properly, but like, um, like you have to help. Cause like at the end of the day, it's like, you could have like this great talent that's just like gone because they were, I don't want to say bullied cause I can open a whole door, but it's like, there's been a lot of people that have been kind of bullied out of the business. Right. Yeah. So I don't know, just try to do my, uh, my thing uh, i like the guy like he was good he was good to me yeah you sound he's like never josh had like too. ego or big time huh you sound like josh too just yeah. helping out other yeah. talent who who wants it you know yeah there was a there was like a batch of like guys i liked it's just i didn't see that often so i think as rj like lived close to me but I remember like Josh, Mike Rollins, uh, like I used to talk to those guys. Like I used to talk to them a lot, like back then. I think that's what like maintained the relationship is like I never treated them like I treated them as my equal. So I didn't really treat them like beneath me or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then like when they would, uh, if they would do like do extra work for like WWE or whatever, those people I knew there, I would just like, Okay, go up to this guy and tell him I said hello. You know, like that's your op- that's your open. Yeah. Like I don't have pole because I'm not there, but like them, that's just an opening. So then they'll say, okay, this guy's buddies with Rico. I'm cool with Rico. Like maybe we should take a look at him in the ring. Or if they need one guy to do something on TV that night, it's like maybe they'll choose you because someone will say, hey, this guy's, you know, someone I know knows this guy. Like mm-hmm. any advantage you can get in the business is helpful. Well, at least it was then. I don't know now, but I mean, I can't say for like recently because of 
fucking pandemic still going on for some reason. Yeah, but from the more like, um, I'm still guilty of like not really watching wrestling, but the more I'm like paying attention to people that are wrestling that I that I have relationships with, it's like I think it's it's it's, it's a lot better now than it was like say between 2007 and 2012, I think was like very hard. Like to even like get work. Yeah. I think you were lucky if you could get like eight matches a week where it seems like kind of post 2012, 13, like things just started to happen and open up and the internet, like people doing Mm -hmm. these internet pay-per-views and, all this stuff, like, I think has given more people opportunities. Yeah, for sure. But I've been well, lucky across my career. It's like, I've met so many like people and whether it be in fluky ways and, um, yeah, like, uh, I think, uh, I got lucky. Just like me, how I feel like about myself, yeah. you know, places that I've been, I totally got lucky. <laughs> And getting there. Yeah. So the hard thing with wrestling is like if you like try and compliment yourself, like not saying like, hey, I had an awesome match, but like just being like, I don't know. Like to me, I just like look like truths. Like I sacrificed basically like personal stuff in my life to go to Mexico and try and wrestle, you know, like and I did. And then like I made contacts there. And then um little things that happened for a reason, like um uh okay like i had a wrestlemania experience so uh i went to wrestlemania one year mm-hmm. and um like mil mascaris and like dos caras like uh yep. Rio's father they were there and then like jimmy hart was there um <clears throat> so is like what i mean by it was like having these contacts is like cool because like so I'm in the green room, like before WrestleMania access or no, before the Hall of Fame, I think it was. So everyone's kind of like, you know, there. And then I see like Mil Mascaris and I see Dos Caras and I walk up to them and like, you know, and they're like, hey, what are you doing here? And like one of those things. And then I turn around and then Jimmy Hart's standing there. And then I did Monster Ball with Jimmy Hart. So I hung out with him for like a whole day. Like we had breakfast. Well, he doesn't eat, but I had breakfast, lunch and dinner and he was watching me. But like you know, he's there and then, you know, you turn around from talking to him and then uh, Randy Orton walks in the room and he's like, Hey, I didn't know you were here. So then like, it was funny. Cause then there was like certain guys that are like, who the fuck is that guy? Yeah. Like, why does he know like this guy, this guy, this guy. And so like, you know, it sounds like I'm putting myself over. It's just like, I'm nobody, but it's just like, I just happen to know like the Mexicans because I wrestled there and I wrestled with those men. Like, yeah. I don't know how many thousand times. Like not against them, but on the same shows. And then, um, uh, you know, and then Jimmy Hart from the movie. And then obviously I know Santino. And then like I met Orton through Santino. And then Nash is there. And he's like, you're coming out with me tonight. And they're like, how the fuck's this guy know him? You know, like, and uh, yeah, just like funny the way it works. And then like, um, and I like to have a little bit of fun too, like cause heat for myself. Like, um, I remember Santino was like, I was talking to Santino and Stephanie McMahon walked by and he's like, I'm going to introduce you to Stephanie McMahon. I'm like, tell her I'm the biggest star in Mexico. And then he's like, he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, tell her I'm the biggest fucking star that exists. And she, she's <laughs> fucked. She's fucked that she doesn't know who I am. You know? And then like, and he did. 
And then it was just like funny, but she was like super nice and respectful and she didn't care. She's not there to worry about hiring people, you know? And then like, um, yeah, it's like having fun with it too. Cause like the problem, I think the wrestling business is like people have more anxiety about, uh, what they perceive is the way you're supposed to act than opposed to acting a certain way. Yeah. Like I remember like, uh, Cody Rhodes, the first time I met Cody Rhodes, I just said, I'm the best wrestler you ever see in the flesh. You know, like, and if that's not asking for heat, I don't know what the fuck is. You know what I mean? Like, this is one of those things where it's just like trying to have fun with it. And it's harmless stuff. It's not like I mean it. You know what I mean? Like, I've never put myself over saying I'm awesome or anything like that. It's just, um, yeah, like, I think I've been privileged to meet a lot of these people that are considered stars. And actually, when I say I've never been starstruck, I've only been starstruck by one guy. And I was kind of like, cool, that like we got along really well. That was uh, Scott Steiner. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I got kind of starstruck by him. Because then you hear a lot of stuff, too. Like, oh, this guy's a prick, and he doesn't like anyone, and this and that. And like, I don't yeah. know. And I was, like, offering me rides, and, you know, while everyone else is getting drunk, me and him are looking for food and hanging out and talking about injuries and training and, you know, like, and then, like, I ran into him at an airport one time, and, like, he stopped, and he's like, hey, man, give me your number. I'm seeing you everywhere. And then... He came to Toronto for a signing and Nash was here as well. And then I went to hang out with them and, you know, like, and I don't know him just kind of like I was starstruck with. Yeah. He probably liked you because you were also jacked. Maybe. Well, <laughs> that's what, that's what Nash said. And I was like, yeah, I just like six here. Fuck. I meet head like him, you know, like I was just like, okay. But yeah, that's what we talk about working out and looking for food and, so how was the vibe of your WrestleMania experience? Um, so I, I, I went to WrestleMania when I was in Toronto, but I mean, to actually like be kind of at WrestleMania for the whole like access and the mania itself and the, the raw and SmackDown after, and then being like at the WrestleMania kind of hotel, like with the, you know, staff, mm-hmm. um, it was cool. Like you're totally wrestled out by the end of it, but uh it's cool to even see like all like the old timers like um that are there for like hall of fame and just like the experience and the wrestlemania party and all that stuff like that like um i had an interesting run-in with roddy piper like so i was yeah so there was a, a gold's gym not too far so i was at the gold's gym and uh arn anderson uh was working out at the same time. And I had met Arn one time before, like uh, he actually called me a juiced up uh, Primo Cologne. Like, he's like, you know who you look like? I'm like, who? He's like, you look like Primo Cologne on juice. And then I'm like, all right. Like, so uh, I was, I was working out. Arn came in, said hi to him. I had a little laugh and Roddy Piper was there with his son. So I guess Roddy Piper automatically assumed like, I work for WWE or something. So mm-hmm. I'm working out and uh, Roddy Piper and his son, like, I don't want to go up to them. Like, Hey, cause we're working out, but they were nice. Like, they came to me. And then, so Roddy's son came introduced himself. And then uh, Santino was actually telling me like he trained um, before that. He was telling me about Roddy Piper's son saying he was training. Like he was uh, going to do MMA or something. Like this was like years ago. And then, so Roddy Piper comes up to me and he's like, great to see you again love your work love watching <laughs> your work you know like, you know just like i'm like oh, i'm happy you like it. it means a lot to me you know and i, and I was just like what a fucking worker 
You know what I mean? Like, just <laughs> what a worker. And I was just like, and I actually was thinking, like, I can't wait to tell RJ this. You know, like how he's just like always working. Um, so yeah, that was that was a cool experience there, at WrestleMania, and then just being around the whole. Uh, like I don't know, like for when you're there that weekend, it, 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 something comes over you where you're like, I want to be part of this because you see how important it is. Like just seeing all like the people that like go to WrestleMania, like yeah. speaking different languages from all over the world and like everything, but it kind of like sucks as a talent, like to work like that whole like access and yeah. all these interviews Long and like days. stuff. But, like yeah, it's like you earn you earn your money. Like I can only imagine like some of these guys like after that experience i had like being there and seeing what everyone's doing i was like wow some of these guys are having 45 minute matches after this like you know like you got to be alert and like you're having your match of the year and everyone obviously like tries to get the body looking the best for wrestlemania so it's like just a lot of pressure i think i never like appreciated that um what what all the talent has to go through uh before that so it it was a really cool experience for me uh, being there and it was nice to see everybody and then meet people I'd never met. Like I met the undertaker for the first time. Um, I met CM Punk, which that was like, I was shocked. So I met CM Punk. So I think it was Alberto Del Rio who introduced me to CM Punk. He's like, Punk, this is Rico, whatever. And then, so I was sitting with him and, uh, the great Kali was sitting on the other side and we were, CM Punk and I spoke briefly about something and CM Punk said, said this to me and I was so shocked because it came out. He's like, you know, these guys think I'm going to resign, but I'm not resigning unless X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why, like, why is he saying this to me? You know, like, Mm -hmm. or who's he saying this to that? I'm just here, you know, like, and everything he said happened because it was not too long after that, when that pipe bomb thing happened, you know, like, and then like he walked away and then came back, like, he, for me, in the minimal, like, time that I spoke to him was 100% truthful. Like, I never seen something like that, especially in the wrestling business, because most people, they don't talk. So he must have been extremely frustrated with what was going on in his career at that time, I'd like to speak that frankly. Um, so, yeah, it was nice to meet him. He seemed like a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Definitely honest. Um, yeah, and then... Yeah, just, I don't know, just cool vibe. I suggest anyone, like, if you're in the business or whatever, and if you have an opportunity, you know someone to kind of be around that. Super cool. Because you get, like, kind of, like, the present stars, the future stars, and then you have, like, past stars from, like, so many generations of past. Yeah. Well, I went as a fan, not, like, Mm -hmm. where you got to be buddy buddies with Mm -hmm. everybody. (laughs) Well. And yeah. it was fun, but it was it was exhausting for me. So I can't even imagine for, you know, the wrestlers. Yeah, like I left that WrestleMania before the main event. I just I walked out, jumped in a cab, and I just went back to the hotel and ate. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was just like, you know, I'm wrestled out. Like I didn't go to the Raw. I didn't go to the SmackDown. Um, and then, like, there's so many people there. It's like, like I said, like, there's people have relationships that were there. So, like, one night I went for dinner with um, Mil Mascaris and Dos Caras and, like, their family. So, one night I went for dinner with them. Then I went for dinner one night with Santino. Then went for dinner one night. Um, not dinner. Went to Hard Rock Cafe with, like, Chavo Guerrero. Like, I never met Chavo before. 
So he was one of the guys that was like, like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, how's he know all the Mexicans? You know? And then, mm-hmm. um, and, and like, I was, I'm a big fan of Chavez, like from his WCW and he used to ride on that uh, wooden pony thing that he made, like the broomstick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I just thought like, you know, cause he's an awesome worker. And then it's like, you know, having the balls to do that, like shows that you have some charisma. So, you know, and he is an awesome worker. I think under one of the most underrated, um, if he's underrated, I just don't hear enough about him. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I think we should hear about him more because he's good. Yeah. So it was cool, like hanging out with him, getting to know him. And yeah, it was just, it was, it was a good experience for me, but it was exhausting. Like I didn't want to go, I didn't want to watch any wrestling at all. Cause even when you go to the access, there's still wrestling there too. Yeah, that's right. So it's like, I'm not going to wait in line to take a picture with somebody. So I just watch the wrestling or you sit in the back and then, I don't know. I don't really want to sit in the back. So yeah. So you're wrestled out. For sure. Man, just brought up memories. My very last photo I got at Access was actually with Chris Benoit. You see, I don't know if I could do, I I don't know if I could do it again. (laughs) Those lineups were long. Yeah. You know what, though? It's like, there's a reason why you waited there. So at that time of your life, there was a reason why you were waiting there. So you're saying you don't know if you could do it again, but maybe you go somewhere and there's a lineup for, I don't know, someone else that you're like, wow, my childhood. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like one thing, my my father, like my parents never watched me wrestle, but my dad said to me, like, make sure you take pictures of these people. I'm like, I don't want pictures. And he's kind of right because now I'm like, fuck, I kind of like, like not to have and like put them on fucking social media, but for me. You know, like yeah. there's like, Memories. uh, yeah, like I should have taken like, um, like, especially with like certain guys in Mexico that have passed on now that I regret it. Like, mm-hmm. um, cause you mentioned Chris Benoit when I was in Mexico and then like, I kind of became like a full-time wrestler. It's like a big thing there to get a license in Ontario before we used to have to have a wrestling license when there was, a, and I don't know, I don't remember what it was called. It was like, uh, was a section of like the Ontario government that was like for wrestling. So in Mexico, it's like, you have to have a wrestling license, like to be a professional wrestler. So Mexicans have to actually have a shoot fight to get it because they're not taught. Like maybe now it's different, but back then they weren't taught. It's a work. They were taught like it's a shoot. And then they tell you it's a work once you get your license. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I had to get my license and, oh man, I forget this guy's name. Josh knows who he is because he told me he had a pretty cool match with Kevin Cross. There was a match a couple months back with Kevin Cross, a main event match where falls count anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, do you know his name? Uh, oh, he was the... the He's a Mexican guy. Yeah, he was the yeah. cruiserweight champ. Okay, so that guy, his father... Uh, is Fantasma in um, Mexico, and he's the commissioner of like wrestling, which to us we kind of laugh at, or like it's a gimmick here, but like there's like a big deal. So I had to go to, um, like it's an honor, and I'm honored to have this license. I still have it. Um, the day I had to get my my license, I didn't have to fight anyone or anything like that. It was just I went to the like the office, and the office was in like the Olympic Stadium, where. Mm-hmm. Um, like they built it for the Olympics or, or the world cup when it was in Mexico. So I go there and then like the, 
like Phantasma is like showing me like this book and there's posters. So like Andre the Giant wrestled there, Jake the Snake Roberts, like, you know, like all these big stars, like when it was territory days, like they were wrestling there like in the 70s and 80s. So, you know, he's showing me this book that my name's going to be in the book. So like I go and I look at like the Canadians and you see like Chris Benoit, like obviously Vampiro. Um, oh man, I'm stumped now. Like, but like there was so many like big names. Like then you see like the American side is like Eddie Guerrero, Art Bar, um, Conan, like just all like these. And just to think like, I don't know, like, I'm like, man, I'm like, my name's going to be in the same book as them. Like, obviously I didn't become like them, but like, it's crazy just to think that like, uh, like at the time it wasn't so much of an honor as it is like, of, like for me now to reflect. That's why I think like, I kind of regret some of the pictures, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. like I was in Mexico when that Chris Benoit stuff happened and it was just like, you know, like guys were taken back more of the fact that he died, not necessarily how it happened, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, um, like I'll give you another example, like one guy who gave me a, a kind of a, a fake hard time, like he gave me a hard time, but like for my own good, it was, um, silver King. Like he also wrestled his tiger mask. I know there's been plenty of tiger masks, but he was like a tiger mask, uh, silver King. Like if anyone's watching Nacho Libre, he was Ramses and Nacho Libre. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, like, uh, his brother's, like, another star, like, Dr. Wagner. Um, so, like, I remember, like, uh, he would kind of give me a hard time but push me in a good way. Like, if I wasn't talking, he'd ask me, like, what's your problem? Why don't you talk? You think you're too good? You know, like, he'd fuck with me like that. Or, like, if I would talk, then he'd be like, why are you talking so much? You think you're a fucking star? You know, like, and then, like, in the ring, he, like, pushed me. Um, so he wrestled in WCW, like... Japan, obviously, like Mexico, like huge star. And then he passed away just before the pandemic. And uh, I messaged his brother, like Dr. Wagner, just give my condolences and stuff. And I just thought like, man, I don't have a picture with this guy. You know, like mm -hmm. I don't have like, because I told my wife and she's like, oh, who's that? Like, and then she's like pulling out some pictures I do have. And the pictures I do have are all like um, casual pictures, like none in gear or wrestling. It's like hanging out. You know, like, yeah. Uh, so I think now is like, so I think I spoke about this earlier on the podcast, like, you know, every five years, like your mentality changes. So as much as like, you're saying, you know, you wait in line and you don't know if you do that again, you can't say for sure you wouldn't because you don't know yet, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I could, <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. Well, the patience is thinner, you know, but I mean, like. <laughs> yeah photos mean a lot to me i think the only picture i have of me like with a wrestler like that i took was with missy hyatt oh random <laughs> yeah totally random because i don't even know no disrespect i just don't i don't know what she does i was somewhere and i said who is this person taking polaroids and said She's a wrestling manager. She managed uh, like Stone Cold, like, but I guess like she messed. And I was like, oh, really? And they're like, yeah. And they're like, you want a picture with her? I'm like, sure. So I went, I took a picture with her. It was a Polaroid and they gave it to me. And then she signed it. And then that was it. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Like, but this is before I even got into wrestling. 
And I think Ooh, asked you, you know, you know anybody? Uh, I don't know where it is. Maybe <laughs> I did. I don't know. But I just asked, like, hey, you know anybody who teaches this wrestling stuff? You know, it's like, no, I'm not from here. You know, like, I don't know. And then, like, that was it. But, yeah. I never went to Access when it was in Toronto, like the WrestleMania when I was here. I never went. I just went to the show. What? I thought. I thought you said you went to Access. No, not when it was in Toronto. Oh. When I went to WrestleMania, like, was like my WrestleMania experience was like, yeah, I was at Access. I was there like for like five, six days. Like I was there the whole week pretty much. But when I went as like uh, when WrestleMania came to Toronto, yeah. like uh, I just went like to when the NWO thing, like I just I was in the business at the time. I think I was actually like right before I went to Mexico. I was uh, I went as just a spectator. Oh, yeah. So I've been to two WrestleManias, but I think the WrestleMania experience is now like to me, I define it as like the access, you know, like the week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get to a couple more stories before we we end off. Sure. Um, being in the business and mm-hmm. wrestling in Canada, Puerto Rico, Mexico, did you run into any racism in wrestling or homosexuality in wrestling? Um Towards me, like not necessarily like racism, but like I think just because I was like, uh, how can I put it? Like in Mexico, it's like ninety percent of the wrestlers are Mexican, ninety-five percent, maybe maybe less now because people travel more. But at the time, so it was like before it was like Vampiro, um, say whatever he did, he made a reputation for Canadians, good and bad, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I don't know, say Conan made a reputation for Americans, good and bad. So they kind of look at you as like foreigner, foreigner, foreigner. But then it's not like, I wouldn't classify that as racism. But when I was there, I think I had like, I think I, I definitely mentioned this on the podcast before. It's like you learn that it's a business. So there was a couple things that I learned down there that were shocking and like interesting and then makes sense so on the racism side it doesn't make sense but there were wrestlers i don't want to say who it is just because he didn't want to say who it was so i was told a story on a guy who was in wcw who had a huge scar like uh across his abdomen and then he would have to wear a singlet to cover the scar but like his body like looked so good that's when the conversation was like why are you wearing the singlet like your body's so tight and then he showed me like the scar and i was like holy shit it's like you know you get hit by a car or something like that looked like a serious like operation and he says no he says when i was in wcw and he said uh, they were so racist towards the mexicans he's like this guy did this to me in the ring i almost died in the hotel he's like lucky i went to the hospital but he's like i didn't speak any english or nothing like that so he's like i got to the hospital and they had to do this emergency surgery for me or i would have died and oh uh, he said that it was inflicted to him like in the ring by someone and he wouldn't tell me who it was, which is none of my business, but you know, like obviously if he would have told people who it was, it would, everyone would know the story, you know? Cause like, that's pretty serious. But he said that um, the Mexicans in WCW encountered a lot of racism. And then I remember even talking to um, 
a guy who was one of my favorite wrestlers in Mexico, Ray Bucanero. And like, he was telling me like, cause I asked him like, you ever wrestle in like Canada and the U S and he's like, yeah. And I'm like, Oh, who you wrestle for? And he's like, Oh, WWF. You know what <laughs> I was like, you did. And then he's like, yeah. And he's like, they wanted to start a Latino division, like WWF Latino. Mm-hmm. So they would bring like some certain Mexicans and they would bring them. They even did some WrestleMania stuff or not WrestleMania, Royal Rumbles and stuff like that. And then like, um, so I was like, Oh, I didn't know you guys were in like WWF. And then like, he was telling me who else was there. So I would approach them and say, Hey, like, you know, Ray told me you guys were in WWF. And then they're like, yeah. And then they were telling me stories on how, like, like not everybody. And it wasn't like debilitating racism, but it definitely was racism. Um, then they were even saying the way the pay structure was, was like race-based to some degree, which I kind of heard before. Cause I heard women always used to make less money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw that in Mexico as well. Like, the women could be like the star of the show and they like make less but um yeah so i saw that and then uh like i heard about that i didn't see it i didn't really see any racism because i was always the foreigner you know like so there wasn't much to see uh like in terms of racism but it was shocking to me to learn that but i believe like the racism in wrestling because as much as i didn't see it it was like say you're pushing for someone and you're like, Hey, I think you should like book this guy. And it's like, Oh, well, you know, like I can't book him because I need to book this guy because I need, uh, whatever. I need, a a black guy on the show, you know? And then it's like, mm-hmm. so this guy's getting booked because he's black because he's good, you know? And then it's like, Oh, we're going to wrestle in this town. I can't book that guy because he's black. You know, I'm like, well, what's, the, what's the difference? You know what I mean? Like, so, I'd hear those things, but I mean, like for myself to say, I see it, I haven't really seen it and just heard the stories and I believe the stories. And, um, it's one of those things where you just kind of know exists, like as bad as that sounds, you kind of just do. Am I wrong? No, not at all. Yeah. So it's, it's funny though. Like, so you yourself didn't come across any racism at all. I don't think so because like for me, like other than those stories, which like, I don't know, to me, that took me back a lot to actually hear like this guy was getting the shit kicked out of him every time he wrestled the specific guy based on his race. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, there's always two sides to the story, but it's like to hear like then like others that have been there saying, yeah, it was bad or yeah, like we were getting fucked on pay and like all the stuff. And it's just like, there's way too much evidence pointing to the direction that there is racism. Like I always like tell people, I'm like a wrestling locker room. You will see every part of culture. Like, you know, you could have a redneck, you could have a guy from the ghetto. You can have, you know, like Latino, you can have Japanese with like, uh, European, like all in one locker room. So like everyone has different upbringings and cultural things and stuff like that. So, you know, if you look at the positive of it, it's like, you can just sit there and learn so much, you know, like learn about culture and stuff like that. And I think from like a young age, I always been fascinated with that. And like having like family, like around the world is like, I kind of had the privilege to travel when I was younger. So it was like always something that fascinated me. So, I mean, like to sit and just listen to people and like, just, 
you know, hear different things. And then from the wrestling itself, it's like, you know, the way people wrestle in Europe is different than the way they wrestle in Japan, definitely to America, the way they wrestle in Mexico is different. Like, um, so you have a mix of like personalities and then you also have a mix of like wrestling styles. Right. So, um, to sit there and say like, now it's probably different because now with like social media and just like the internet and everything, it's like it may it should make you smarter. You know what I mean? Like I have a really hard time believing, not saying it doesn't exist, but it's just hard to believe that like there's actually people out there that are malicious enough to like not like someone for race. Mm-hmm. But 25, 30 years ago, I could see it. You know what I mean? Like so. But yeah, when I tell like my friends or like people I know, like they're like, how's a wrestling locker room? And I'm like, it's a fucking zoo. I'm like, it's like you got different walks of life. And if you're smart enough, like you could learn them things. And then even talking to like old timers, like even my coach and stuff like that, like they would tell me stories like because my coach was like a Bulgarian Olympic wrestler. So like he said, like language was like very poor for him. So like um like he just knew how to like wrestle. Like that's all he was good at. So he wasn't good on the mic. And that was in the transitional time of like Hogan with the promos, say your prayers, all that shit, you know, like, so it was like, he was kind of useless. So like talent wise, he was fine, but he was no good at like the marketing side of the business. So he would tell me sometimes like they would make him ride with like certain guys, like he would call them rednecks, you know, like these racist fucking rednecks. And he's like, as much as I didn't speak well, I'd understand. So I'd hear them talking and, you know, like, so it was prevalent like then. So like, I don't see why it wouldn't be prevalent in the mid to late nineties either. Right. So, um, but for myself, I didn't really witness anything like, um, nah, like, but those stories were just enough to like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to put the words. Like, I don't want to say like smarten me up or anything like that, but the, the stories I heard from a lot of these guys in Mexico was like, holy shit, like this stuff was real. Like they didn't tell me who it was. Some people would comment like, yeah, this guy was like this. And this guy used to say this. It's like, okay, that guy's come back, you know, like, but you know, it never happened to me personally, but um, I don't know. It kind of made me like feel sorry. And I don't want to say like felt sympathetic or like feel sorry for people, but it's like, that's bullshit. It's like this guy had to go through like almost dying just because of where he's from, you know, or like, yeah. like that's just malicious stuff. Like, that's why I say like these days I can't see like people being malicious enough to do that, but maybe I'm just naive. Um, but especially in wrestling, I just can't see it. So that, that baffles me because like, when you think of Lucha Libre, it's, it's mm-hmm. held up so high, right. With all the history and all that. And then with Rey Mysterio being in WCW, it, it it blows my mind that that stuff even happened. Yeah, but I mean, with Rey Mysterio, it's like he's he's American first. You know what I mean? Like he was an American who went to Mexico because his family was there and he learned how to wrestle. So I mean, like he was probably smartened up to a lot of those things. Like where it's like the Mexicans never left Mexico in their life. Now they're going to WCW because they're getting X amount of dollars and they want to make a name for themselves bigger than, you know, like what it is. Now you got to remember something. This is the good and the bad about the business is it is a business. So maybe some guy's sitting there going, oh, these fucking Mexicans are coming here and they're taking my job. 
you know, like, so yeah. fuck them. And like, I remember my coach teaching me that right at the beginning when I went to wrestling school, like saying like, Hey, some guy, you might take his job or he's scared you're going to take it and break your leg. You know, like, so there's like those aspects to it too, because if you remember when WCW first brought in like the luchadors, they didn't bring in two or three, they brought in like 30, you know, like, so that could be like house show money out the window for someone else. And if that person is a racist brick, they're just going to blame whoever they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, like That's no awful. one went into too much detail, but it was definitely an eye opener for me. Like it kind of like, uh, it hit me a little bit like to say like, holy shit, like this guy's such a nice guy, you know, like so nice. And like someone did that to him. Like, and then even the way of finding out about it was like me commenting on how good the guy looks. Why are you where, why are you covering your, your body? You know? And then, yeah. you know, and then him explaining to me the scar, you know, like, and I was like, wow, like if I never, if I never commented to him or asked him, I never would have known that. And like, maybe made me a bit more ignorant where that kind of opened my eyes up to stuff. But for myself, I never had to deal with it. Like, and then when he asked me about the homosexuality, I learned a huge lesson uh, in Mexico about homosexuality. So what I learned there was there was a guy, uh, who like, I'm, I was a fan of, or still am a fan of, and a friend of, and, uh, he told me, he told me one day he was gay mm-hmm. and then I was like, okay, like, I don't care. And then, uh, cause I don't, um, and then we were in Mexico city and there was a girl who was like the first girl I met when I arrived in Mexico city, worked for the office, spoke a little bit English and we ate, uh, we ate somewhere and then we were, I don't know where we were going, but we were walking. So it was me, uh, one guy, and then the guy who told me he's gay and then there's a girl. So when we walked out of the restaurant and we're on the street, he's holding her hand and art, like putting his arm around her, like, like boyfriend, girlfriend stuff. Like not just innocent, like, Hey, how are you? And put, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, so I said to him, like, I said, so you like both. And then like, I don't know. I was just like, her. <laughs> and then he's like, no. And he's like, he goes, I have to make the people, uh, I have to make the women, uh, think that, like I like them and then I'm like okay why like teach me why and he said he's like because he goes gay people already buy tickets to watch wrestling because like it makes sense you get athletic guys you know like rolling around together oiled up I mean like I don't know that's like guys going to watch like straight guys going to watch girls and do oil wrestling you know what I mean like mm-hmm. it's, it's normal right, <laughs> right um right. so he's like you know gays buy tickets to wrestling like blue color people buy tickets to wrestling and then he was explaining to me, because I kind of knew this, but didn't know. Like, so when Vampiro first went to Mexico, he changed the people that would attend shows. Like, he became such a star. Like, before it was all, like, just blue-collar people. Like, you know, like, after work, go there, get drunk, smoke cigarettes, throw beer bottles at the wrestling ring. Like, that was what wrestling was. And then he came, and then a lot of the kids started coming, and then a lot of, like, girls started coming. So, like, even to some degree, like, uh, super porky and like some of like the office people would tell me like, okay, like girls like you, the kids like you, like, this is good. Like, this is why you're getting bookings. So he would tell me, he's like, uh, if they know I'm gay, the girls aren't going to buy tickets to come watch me. And like, he's a good looking guy, you know, like, so he had like a, like a, a high female fan base. 
So he's like, I have to keep my sexuality like to myself because the girls will stop buying my pictures, stop buying my t-shirts. You know what I mean? Like, so it's business. So it's like, like, I didn't take it as a bad thing. Like, Oh, like, you know, some people are like, Oh, fuck that. Like you should be proud of who you are. It's like, yeah. But at the end of the day, when you go in that ring and you're risking breaking your neck every day, if you're doing it for free, you're an idiot. You know what I mean? Like, that's where like pride and ego is the killer. And then it's obviously like no one, none of anyone's business who he wants to fuck anyways. You know what I mean? Like if it's a mm-hmm. guy or a girl. So like, that was like a huge eye opener for me where it was just like, cause sometimes used to make jokes about me. So tourist area in Mexico city is also the gay area. So like people would say like, Oh, I heard you were eating like over here Zona Rosa. I'm like, yeah. And then, like, I don't know, it's the gay area. Like, I'd see guys holding hands, but whatever. Like, I didn't think it was, like, where they went. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yeah. And then, like, that was it. No one would really, like, say much to me, like, uh, about it. And then, like, because they'd see me with females, too. But, like, I didn't know. Like, so it matters in the sense over there, like, in a sense of, like, for business. Like, I'm sure it's not like that anymore. But, like, at the time, it was, like, okay, we need girls to buy these tickets because, you know, Vampiro's not around. So it's like, and like, you know, he had his shine. Like, he had his time as being a star. So like, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of faded away. So it's like, okay, there's no one who's really taking the spot. But this guy, who just happens to be gay, is like approaching his level of stardom and, you know, he's a good-looking guy and girls like him. So it's about business. So it does make sense in a sense because I remember Josh said to me like one time, he's like, we're talking about like wrestling is for everybody. And then it's Mm -hmm. like, it's not like, yeah, anyone could get in a ring in front of 25 people and make no money. That's for everyone. But like when it comes to like making money in the business and being a star and everything, it's not for everyone. You have to be well-spoken. You have to be marketable. You don't have to know how to play the game. You got to connect with people. Can't be a prick. You know what I mean? Like, how many people that are miserable fucks can be John Cena? It's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like you're allowed to have bad days, but I mean, you can't just be like, it's not just for everyone. You know, like if you look like the cashier at Walmart, you know, like no one cares. Like you're not going to be a star. That's just the way it is. And like, whether it's right, wrong, it's not up to anyone to say it's right and wrong. If you think that, you know, someone, who looks like the cashier at Walmart can be the next big star of wrestling. I want you to spend every fucking penny you have on all their merchandise and write letters and say how they should be the star because it just doesn't really happen, you know, mm-hmm. like, and yeah. that's the reality of it. So wrestling is for everyone in the sense of like, who cares about your sexuality? But it's like, cause I asked the guy, I said, like, is it ever hard? Like for you, like can't be with like dudes. Cause you're scared. People are going to see he's like, yeah, but he's like, that's why I'll walk around with girls too. You know, like, so, yeah, his life had to take a little bit of a back step and he can't announce his sexuality because it's going to affect his business. But guess what? If you're a drug addict, if you're an alcoholic, which there's plenty of in the wrestling business, you can't necessarily walk around doing those things either, right? Mm-hmm. So everything, everything good and bad is closeted because, you know, Josh, Josh Alexander isn't, you know, marketing himself as the husband and the father that he is you know what i mean like there's the sun sun appealing you know <laughs> like they want to see the machine the guy in the ring you know what i mean like all that kind of stuff so yeah. to me i kind of learned in a sense it's like yeah 
it's kind of a work in the sense where it's like, you know, how you portray yourself to people, you know, like I'll give an example. I like smoking cigarettes once in a while. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck, if they were healthy. I would probably smoke a hundred a day, but <laughs> I like, it. so I remember one time someone ratted saying that they saw me smoking a cigarette in a mall. And like, it was a big deal. You know what I mean? Like, and it was like, but I'm a nobody. And it was still a big deal because you got to portray this thing. So we're not all perfect, but we have to portray ourselves as perfect. And I'm not saying that the guy being in the closet about him being gay is like, means he's not perfect. It just means that business comes first. Mm. And I'm sure there's going to be like attitudes on whether they agree or disagree with it. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, that's just what the reality was at that time in the early 2000s when I was there. And he explained to me the situation and why he publicly makes it look like he loves girls, but privately he doesn't, you know, like, so uh, I'd see that. And then there was the, uh, they called them exoticos, Mm -hmm. like uh, transvestites or whatever, like guys that would dress like girls and like wrestle in the ring. So it was like, that was more like the comedy spots. Some guy, like some of them were actually were like legit. Like that was like the way they dressed even like outside, but some of them just did it as a gimmick. So, but I don't know. No one ever got harassed. Like I never seen any bad stuff happen like to them just because they were transvestites. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But when you get to those like old countries, there's, I'm sure there's old villagers that think that like there's something wrong with it, but Nothing that I saw. I, I just don't. I've yet to um, grasp uh, people's problem with that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, do you think that's still going on in Mexico? The exoticos? Sorry, no, homosexuality. Like guys hiding it? Yeah. I don't know the the wrestling business. Like we ta- I talked about earlier, I think like after 2012 to maybe 14 or 15, like somewhere in between there, it kind of made a huge shift. Like look at all the Mexicans that are like stars in like the U S like not WWE, but like, look at like, you know, uh, that, uh, Pentagon, Zero Miedo, whatever he calls himself now. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, look at him, like, look at all the NXT guys. Like, it's fucked up to think like I don't watch like wrestling really at all. Like, but I've seen highlights of Kevin. I'm like, I know that face. Why do I know that face? <laughs> you know? And then I'll ask him like, who, who's this? And then he's like, yeah, this is him. And then I'm like, Oh shit. I'm like, okay. I know the face because he never showed his face in Mexico, but I used to ride like buses with this guy. Like these guys were teaching me Spanish back when I first started. And like, now they're in WWE, like stars, like on top. And I'm like, like it was so hard before. Like it's changed so much that it's actually easy for them. Not easy. Nothing's easy, but I'm saying like, like, for me, it's like, I look at the amount of Mexican guys that when I started there, they were starting there too. Um, and like, look at what they made. Like, um, Oh man, what's his name? WWE Alamas on dread. Like, uh, he just quit WWE and he went independent. Maybe he's with AEW now. I'm not sure. Charlotte Flair's boyfriend. Andrade. Yeah, Andrade. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm like, this fucking guy. I'm like, man, when this guy, like, I remember, like, when I was first starting, this guy was in the back of the bus, like, with me, like, teaching me, like, lying to me, telling me, like, this word means this. You know, like, um, actually, I think <laughs> I told this story on your podcast once before where I confused 
years with assholes. <laughs> like, cause like años means years, but then anos yeah, yeah, means yeah, like yeah, anus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think like I was like, he was there when I asked that question, like, how old are you guys? You know, like, and uh, like, I'm not saying I never thought these guys were going to be stars or nothing like that, but I just thought there was like no need for them to like leave Mexico to go to the U S like there's plenty of like opportunity and money there for them. But to see the influx of that, it just, to me, at least it shows that I've been away from the business and it's made like a shift change, you know, like where mm -hmm. people are seeking these Mexican guys and bringing them to the U S and then reteaching them their style. So, I mean, like, uh, to ask me if I think, like, what's going on in Mexico now is, like, the way it was in the two, early 2000s, like, with people kind of hiding stuff. And, like, I, I have no clue because it mm. just seems like the whole business and the world's transition, like, um, I mean, pro wrestling has done, like, everything. Like, whether WWF, WCW, uh, I don't know so much about Mexico or Japan, but, like, when it comes to storylines and stuff, we've lived through some outrageous shit if you're like a fan you know like we had mm -hmm. fucking papa shango doing a trance on ultimate warrior and threw up yellow stuff you know like mm -hmm. we've had there was one gimmick where they did like triple h fucked a dead body you know what i mean like so much like weird shit like i wouldn't be surprised if um you know because they highlight homosexuality much more now if yeah. like they would make a character that was homosexual you know like just a draw in the audience you know like uh, to get a more mainstream audience or something like that like you see it in tv shows you see it in movies it was like all that stuff all like i don't know i wouldn't be surprised if you've seen any of that stuff um but yeah like i've even seen more uh exoticos like in uh u.s and like uh i don't know so much canada but like american wrestling is like you see like uh, transvestites in like um, in American wrestling now. It's like, that was a yeah. Mexican thing for like a long time. So it's like, you know, why now are people picking up on it? You know, like why? Like Mexico's doing it so long. Like ideas don't just come from the top of your head. You're copying them from somewhere, you know? Like, so it's like, why are they picking up on it now? It's like, you know, so that's why I have a hard time seeing people having to be in the closet about their sexuality now. Um, but it wasn't like due to malice because there was a lot of like, uh, gay and bisexual wrestlers that I met and that I knew and that I work with that would tell me and like, it was just to them, it was like, they didn't have to hide it, but they also didn't have to broadcast it. But there's a difference between being bisexual and being gay. I mean, if you're a man and you want to be with a man, you know, like, you know, when you're bisexual, it means you're just doing both of them. Right. So yeah. like the thing that was kind of like. Like some nights you look and it's like, you see this guy, he got a couple extra beers. It's like maybe this guy is just trying to like, he's upset because he can't go to fucking movies with his boyfriend or something. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. kind of feel for the guy. Right. So I was like, but you know, it's business. So I guess it's kind of normal. Like this is, I don't know. I just look at it. It's like everyone's made sacrifices for the business. If his sacrifice was, he can't like go out with his boyfriend in public too often because a lot raise questions. That's his sacrifice, you know, for me. And I wasn't a star like him. My sacrifice was, you know, I couldn't be around my friends or family, you know, like mm -hmm. someone else's sacrifice might be broke their leg 15 times, but they're still getting in the ring, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Like I got a wrestler client recently. I'm not to say who he is because it's none of anyone's business, but this guy like broke his back, you know, never had surgery. And I'm like, holy fuck. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's a sacrifice, you know, like everyone sacrifices something in life. So yeah, but malicious wise, I never seen any malice, like uh, any maliciousness towards uh, homosexuals. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. No, like I didn't at all. But it was also cool for me to learn that, like, you know, that's who my fan base is. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, yeah, like, you know, we have, like, X amount from whatever analysis they didn't even know. Like, we sell X amount of tickets to homosexuals. It was like, because that's business. Like, there's things that, like, wrestlers themselves or, like, fans that they don't think about. But it's like, there's people in the back offices that, all they care about is the money. So they want to know where the money's coming in from. So they're marketing to target certain, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's now more accepting, you know, yeah, I don't know, America. So I have like a whole, like my whole thing, just like the way I live my life and stuff is like, I could care less what other people do, like, cause it's not affecting me. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't see when people get up in arms for certain things. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, it's like, um, like, I remember, like, being in Mexico. It's like, the gay guy, I don't to say who he is, when, like, I walk into the room and, like, or, like, you know, like, see him, like, at the airport or at the arena or whatever, he would always say to me, like, like, what's up, faggot? Like, get on the puto. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he always say that to me, right? Yeah. Like, that's the way he talk. Okay. You know, like, so I'll give you an example. Like, I don't know. Maybe people know he's gay now, but it's not my business to say who it is. So say, like, I see this guy now. And then, like, I walk up to him and I'm like, hey, what's up, puto? Like that. Then it's yeah. like, all of a sudden, like, I'm the bad guy because, like, you know what I mean? But there's yeah. a relationship there. So I was like. That's why, like, the more and more I hear about, like, this cancel culture shit, I'm like, I don't care who the fuck this fence. Like, if you're, like, someone who does that, you're ignorant because you're going to judge or blast people on, like, one incident in their life. And, like, you're not, like, you know what I mean? Like, someone says something or does something that comes across to an individual as, like, sexist, racist, whatever. doesn't mean that's what it is. Like, you got to know the whole story. You know what I mean? And when I see people that I have like these relationships with and I might say stuff like that, you know, like, um, I don't give a shit who affects, you know, <laughs> like you're not part of my life. Like, so you want to cancel me and whatever. It's like, that's cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like, cause that's just your own problem. That's depression. That's stuff. Like there's stuff that like, I have uh, psychotherapists and psychiatrists and psychologists that, refer clients to me and um like i mentioned on last podcast i have a lot of like mental health clients and like they go over like tutorials about social media and they're like telling me like see this person here i'm like yeah okay this person is classic blah 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 mental illness and then i'm like yeah but he's coming across like he's not he's got all these followers and he's got like all this stuff it's like yeah but like look at how he's searching for for people to pick on you know like they're following those trends and it's like since I've been exposed to that and then like, I'll see stuff like even stuff I see on Instagram, like people I follow and I'm like, 
like people are fucked, but it's not really for me to tell them they're fucked, but it's like, you know, they are, you know, like, what do you care what other people are doing? Worry about your own circle. You know, like that's it. Like, cause a lot of times it's like, no one's perfect in this world. So I'm like, unless someone did something completely malicious and like, you know, murdered a family or like drove someone to suicide by bullying or something like that. Like just for someone fucking up once or saying the wrong word once. And like, you want to just automatically like out them and stuff. I'm not really down with that. I don't agree with it. And I personally don't give a shit if someone did it to me. Rico bringing the fire tonight. <laughs> oh, no, it's just like, cause you know what it is? Like you hear more and more about this. And then it's like people I follow and people I like, I see stuff that they're posting and I'm like, you're a fucking moron, you know? And then I'm like, should I just tell this person that he's a fucking goof for like yes. saying this? No, yes. but then I'm like, <laughs> eh, like, you know what? To me, it's like talking to a wall, you know, like, yeah, I kind of, if it was like, ever me, then I, I, I hope that you would tell me I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, because it's also just my opinion that you're an idiot, but I could explain why I think you're an idiot. Like what well, my opinion of it is, but like, um, yeah, it's too much now. Like, it's like, everything's like, like, yeah, if you haven't figured out that shit's bad and no one cares about you other than your own little circle, like then you're fucking late to the park. You know, like your, your life's going to be shit. Like understand that like you're, you're, you're in control of, uh, of how shit turns out for you, not someone else. I don't know. Am I wrong? No, I know I'm not perfect. You know, like, yeah, I'll make mistakes. And, whatever it's perfect exactly that's the whole thing so it's like when everyone jumps on a bandwagon of like oh fuck this guy fuck this person as well like cancel them it's like how about this how about you fucking cancel all your fucking social media and actually fucking leave your house and make some friends how's that sound <laughs> you know like that's my advice for the world and i'm like yeah i'll be honest with you I'll, I'll be having like a totally fine day and then i'm like let's go fuck around and like see what's going on, on instagram stuff and it's like that can depress the shit out of me <laughs> You don't like technology, eh, Rico? No. <laughs> Someone said to me, I, I think it was one of my clients, said, listen, I'm going to watch a soccer game. Like, so, like, email me, like, your update. Like, don't text me because I don't know for sure if the text will come through. And she's like, oh, make sure you take lots of pictures. And I'm like, I'm not bringing my fucking phone. You know, like, <laughs> when I walked in there, I took one picture of the field. And that was it. Mm. Like, you know, like, because someone said. memory. No, it's not. You want to know why it's on my only memories? This is the thing. Someone showed me something like, I don't know, years back. I think it was from like Facebook or something Like when it first started. So it was like all these people were like at a concert and they all had their phones out. And then it's like one person like was actually watching the concert yeah. and said like, they're living in the person without their phone is living in the moment. Everyone else isn't even absorbing yeah. the moment. You know, like, so I obviously was cheering for Italy. Like I that I'm like a diehard or whatever, but I was cheering for Italy and they scored three goals. So if I'm sitting there like a fucking dummy with my fucking phone, they're recording fucking everything. I wouldn't even like enjoy the moment and the passion of those goals. You know what I mean? It's like, you're going to watch Josh wrestle an Iron Man match. You're going to sit there with your phone out the whole time recording it. Or are you going to actually like watch it? Yeah. See what I mean? So it's like, I'm not like the memory is like, Hey, took the picture of me being there. I have the ticket. I have my airplane ticket. Like I have those things. Those could be my memory. But like, if I was to miss the goals because I was looking to post a video on Instagram or something like that, I'd regret even being there. 
Yeah, video and photo is completely different. I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be videoing. Yeah, but you, you follow me on Instagram. You saw my photo of the field, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because like we were kind of lucky and um, having certain friends, like we got into, uh, we got into the stadium like super early, like three hours early. So we were like walking around the stadium. There was only like maybe a hundred people in there. So we're like, I was like, oh, this is like, because I wasn't sitting where I took the picture from. My seats weren't that good because I was like kind of like midfield, but I was sitting like kind of like on the side, like to the corner of the net. Mm. And, uh, you know, like it was like nice experience. Like, hey, I got my one picture, you know, like. Still the atmosphere. Yeah. It was just like, let me just enjoy everything. Yeah, I get that. Well, Rico, thank you Mm -hmm. for coming back. And sharing more amazing stories with us. Is there any other stories that uh, are popping up for you? No, no, not right now. That's what I was trying to think of. I'm like, you know, now you fucked me up with the RJ stuff. Because now it's just like all <laughs> RJ stuff. And I, I don't want to talk about him like that much. You know, like I feel like I put him over, I think, in the last podcast. And then I put him over like a little too much here. And then, you know, it just threw me off. Like, you know, he's <laughs> fucking coming back to ruin my life again. You know, like trying to trying to come across properly here, but it's just not working out. Um, no, just when it comes to the business, it's just like so much ups and downs. And I just uh, hope that like, I don't know about your other guests, but like for me, it's like uh, I was embedded in the time I was in the business with more of the business aspects. So a lot of like my stories are like reflective of a business side of things, opposed yeah. to like, um, you know, going out and like, partying mm. and stuff with your buddies because I was alone most of the time. So it sounds depressing, but it wasn't because I had a great time and I have like, I've made plenty of friends like, in and out of the business and stuff like that. Um, yeah. There's, you know what? I guarantee you, like once we finish this, I'm going to just have like a hundred things pop in my head, but like, that's <laughs> the way it is. Like, that's the way it goes, you know, like, yeah. um, but yeah, like it's in terms of stories, it's like post the, them on uh, your Instagram. Uh, what do you mean? You know what I mean? Just like if there's memories that pop up, just post them because people still want to hear your stories. And if there's any, yeah, if there's any new followers, you know, they're following you for like, there's, there's a reason they're following you Yeah, and your, your stories are good. I, you know what it is? I've come across so many people that have become like stars in a sense like you remember um he's still wrestling now like hernandez he was part of like uh yeah lax right there like i remember like going to uh monterey mexico and like working with him and then he's like you're in mexico city i'm like yeah he's like you're fucked up and then it's like you know seven years later this guy's like one of the biggest stars in like triple a you know like so Mm -hmm. um like meeting him was super cool because he was like a good guy um, Mexico stories aren't that interesting. I don't think because people, I don't know, like, do they really follow? You know what I'm trying to say? Like, um, a guy who I learned a ton from was, uh, Ricky Banderas. Mm-hmm. He wrestled as, um, Mil Muertes, uh, in, um, at AEW. Lucha Underground. Okay. Like, yeah, he was like huge star in like Puerto Rico. Like, um, we would stay in the same place in 
uh, in Mexico City. And he would, uh, when I moved away from Mexico City, uh, I would stay in a certain place in Mexico City. He'd stay there. He was working for AAA, so I never worked with him. We would sometimes stay up all night, like just talking, and I would just absorb and like learn so much from him. Um, like I remember like the headhunters, there's like two 400 pound, like twins. Like I used to wrestle them. And I remember like knowing I was wrestling them, I was kind of nervous. Cause I had, I heard like stories about them. Like, um, they used to beat the shit out of everyone they work with. Like remember Vampiro had the braids. Yeah. Like they would rip they his rip braids out. out of his head. Oh. Yeah. Like rip them right out of his head. And like, uh, like just like beat the shit out of him, whatever. And I was like, oh fuck, I gotta work with these fucking guys. And like he, I remember him telling me, he's like, yeah, I don't be nervous. He's like, trust me, he's like, when they give you those splashes, like 450 pound guys jumping off the top rope, giving you a splash, and they can moonsault. Okay. So like he's like, trust me, you're not gonna feel a thing, you're not gonna feel a thing. And I remember like he was right, like didn't feel a thing. Uh, and they were super helpful to me. Like I developed kind of a relationship, like um, with those guys, like still, when I talk to them to this day, it's like, Victor, like call him up. It's like, what a bitch. Like that, like that's the way. <laughs> like my wife would hear me like talking to him. She's like, who are you talking to? So I'd show her like who it is. And then she's like, oh my God. She's like, these guys look like nightmares, you know, like, and that's the way you talk to them. Like, yeah, like they're cool. Um, so yeah, it was like experiences <laughs> with those guys. Uh, Hector Garza, like he passed away. Uh, yeah. You remember him? Like he was yes. in WCW for yeah. a while. Yeah. He, uh, he would have been like, I, I personally believe he would have been the perfect guy for like WWE to bring in as their Latin, like heartthrob. Like, and then, you know, he got unexpectedly sick and he passed away and, uh, yeah, that was, that, that affected me in a way, like, cause, uh, I was a huge fan of his, mm -hmm. um, then meeting guys like um, Brian Kendrick, Paul London, uh, it was cool meeting them because they were in WWE, but like we had wrestled a lot of the same people because they were Texas guys, so they would wrestle a lot of the Mexicans. So like uh, meeting them was cool to talk to. Uh, one of my favorite wrestlers that um, I don't really talk about really, but one of my favorites, I don't know what he does now, but Josh told me that he met up with him and japan or sorry in california was uh, ricky romero yeah or rocky romero like rocky. he's like one of my favorites i can never understand why this guy isn't a mainstream name mm -hmm. like yeah 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 and then another thing that i want to say before we end this one someone who was influential on my career like in a sense that like pushed me to like go to mexico was hacksaw jim doug oh yeah. So I remember like I had the plan, like I want to go to Mexico and I was on one of these shows and then like Hacksaw was like the name on the show. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, okay, like this is going to be my last kind of like indie show. Not that I was doing any before I leave, but like I was doing it. And then I was talking to Hacksaw and then I said to him, like, I said, Hey, like, so what do you think? Like I said, I'm going to just, you know, I got a one-way ticket. I'm going down to Mexico city and like, I just want to work. And then he's like, well, he's like, you better do it. Cause if you fucking depending on this shit, you're not going to go anywhere in this business, you know, like kind of blatantly just like said, like, this isn't going to help you wrestling in front of 30 people, you know? And, uh, yeah. And then, so that was kind of like, I don't say influence, but it was like, it was a nice send off. Like talking to him. He's such a sweetheart. 
he like he always makes time to talk to whoever wants to talk to him. Another thing too, people gotta understand is like I remember when we were doing those CWI shows, like there's like serious names on there, like talking Steiner, Nash, X Pac. I think they even did one show with Psycho Sid. And then like, you know, just a bunch of stars on the show. Like everyone's a name. And it's like no one got a pop like Hacksaw. <laughs> yeah. Like he had the biggest Anytime. pop. Ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like just was so awesome. Yeah. He's such a good so, guy. Yeah. I, I wanna, hope everyone enjoys my show, uh, my stories. I hope so. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty certain they 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 will. <laughs> yeah. I want to say um, the Hector Garza thing because you were saying how perfect he would have been for WWE, being the heartthrob. Yeah. Um, you know his. I think it's his nephew. Yeah. So that's basically him, the heartthrob. Well, that's like. Uh, I'm not going to say emotional, but I mean, like, uh, I forget where it was. It was something like I was flipping through TV or looking for highlights or something like that. And then it was like late at night and then uh, NXT was on, like, and I saw him and like right away, I was just like, oh man, that's like Hector's spot, but like 10 years ago, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I was just like, wow, because like, this is nephew. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, like obviously like the way Peril Guayo died was like tragic, you know, like that was an accident, yeah. whatever, but yeah. you know, for Hector Garza to get sick and he was one of the most like welcoming guys, like, um, and he didn't have to be, cause he's a huge star, you know, like, but I remember like seeing them, uh, at shows like things that like, um, uh, like affected me or like the guys that were welcome, like they were actually like happy that you were there. And like, even, uh, like the original La Parca, like LA park. Yep. He still wrestles all the time. He's in the States all the time. Um, like even him, like first time, like I saw him in a building, he's like, okay. He's like, you're here. He's like, yeah. He's like, you know, this office and stuff, good to work for. Uh, and he's like, when you're in this town, you know, here, take this card, go to these gyms. You know, I have contacts there. They're going to let you in. They're going to take care of you. Uh, I remember even wrestling somewhere where he owned a bunch of apartments and he's like, you're going to be hanging out here for a couple of weeks. He's like, don't stay in a hotel. Go take one of the apartments. It's empty. You know, like stay there. No problem. Like didn't want money. Didn't want nothing. So helpful. Had no reason at all to do that for, him, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. and Hector Gar is the same thing. Like I asked them for a favor and I don't know, like the way wrestling is like, yes, for a favor, everyone tells you they're going to change your life, but no one does shit. You know, like, and that's just the way it is and it's a work and whatever. And, uh, and he actually called and he came through, you know, like, so it was like, uh, and he didn't have to, but I mean, you don't get anything unless you ask. Right. So, right. uh, it was just like real honorable guy. So it was just sad. Cause I think like he was just under 40 when he passed or 40, but it was like the shape he was in and, and like health, like physical health wise, you wouldn't have known anything was wrong with him. Like he still had another good, like solid five years, yeah. you know, of like making an impact. So, uh, yeah, I guess it's good to see his nephew doing that, but yeah, I don't really know his nephew, but it's just funny that for me to see like all these guys I knew that were like young guys and that were like opening match guys, like on like house shows, mm-hmm. uh, like, like in WWE or AEW. I haven't really watched. I'm, I should watch more wrestling. That's what I'm going to try and do. 
get back <laughs> like, into it. Yeah. Get back into it, and then we'll talk again and see see if you're, you know. You know what I think is good for me is like I can watch it and not judge it. Like uh, I think when you're in the business, it's hard because you're watching, and then there's like always that little bit of spite in you where it's like, oh, I should take his spot, you know, or like, oh, I would do this, you know, like. That's the best. Like, there's guys I remember sitting at these indie shows in front of 20 people or watching matches, and these guys haven't fucking done anything, and they're sitting there judging everyone on the show. And it's like, I hope I never sound like this, you know? Like, yeah. It's like, uh, I think I, I can actually sit there and just like enjoy as a fan. You should get back into it. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> right now, I'm watching soccer. Right now, I mean, okay. soccer's soccer's yes. my thing, and then we'll see what happens uh, when soccer's over. We'll see what's you, next. Maybe I'll watch some wrestling. You watch your soccer. You go to England, yeah. and then come back, and then watch wrestling. So tell me quickly, where like where can we watch like Impact? So if I want to watch Josh, where do I watch Impact? Yes, In so. Canada. In Canada, you can watch on the Fight Network if you have it. If not, you oh. can stream for free on Twitch, on their Twitch channel. So twitch.tv slash impact wrestling. Um, every Thursday, they do like a pre-show thing they call Before the Impact. Mm -hmm. That starts at 7 and then the main show is at 8 o'clock. And yeah, that's every Thursdays. And if you don't catch it then, I think they do a replay Fridays at 6 p.m. Okay. And then obviously WWE is on Sportsnet in Canada and then AEW is on TSN, I believe. I think so. I, There's I just don't. so much wrestling on again. Like it's a great yeah. time to be a fan. Yes. Yeah, so, and, and, and a good reason for you to start watching again. See what you like. I'm going to try next week. Next week. Next week. I'll, soon. I'll put wrestling on. Well, yes. Well, soccer's over Sunday. It's like both oh, like it? Copa oh, America okay. and the Euros. They're both finished on Sunday, so I got time. And then uh, the one thing I guarantee I will never watch is RJ's fucking shitty show. Whatever <laughs> show he does, I will not watch RJ's show. I have zero interest. I try and skip through whenever I'm on Instagram, all the stories. There's nothing interesting <laughs> on there. Just save everyone. Save yourself the time. Do the unfollow RJ City. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Follow me instead, and I'll tell you anything you want to know about him. There right? you go. Yeah. Rico, <laughs> yeah. thanks again. Tell us about your lifestyle management and where okay. they can contact you. All right. Basically, what I do now more than ever is just helping people with a sustainable uh, kind of approach to like getting to your goals. Uh, so I basically provide like the meal plan um, with majority of the foods you like. And then um, I add in some of my own. Uh, and then I'll do like a workout and a cardio regimen for you. Nothing hardcore. Everything's sustainable. So my whole approach is like, if I'm asking you to do this now, you can do it in five years. Like, I wouldn't ask you to like, you know, go nuts now. And it's something that's going to like impede your life and make you just want to quit uh, later. So basically where, where you could reach me at is MJD lifestyle management at gmail.com or you can follow me on instagram i believe it's rico montana one um and let me uh, let me cut you off there at okay. rico montana underscore one okay thank you 
because we had <laughs> you had to look up your your handle at the yeah, last I episode. Just, I, yeah, and I just had to look up my email. So like that's why I couldn't do both at the same time. It's Rico Montana underscore one Instagram. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, I got you. Yeah, and uh, reach out to me. And I have a huge apology. Like someone, I don't want to say who it is because it's none of anyone's business who reaches out to me. But someone reached out to me like three weeks ago, and I just noticed their email in a spam folder. So I actually contacted Josh and said, please, like, let this person know. I just found it in the spam and I'm not Uh-oh. being a dick. Eat. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's the only kind of thing I care about is I don't want to come across as big time where it's like, I have no time for you. Like anyone who reaches out to me, I get back to you right away. You know, like that's something kidding. that I prioritize. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> did Josh, did, did it get figured out? Yeah. Yeah. I just texted him and I was like, Hey, this person like told me that you gave him the contact and like fuck was in my spam. And the only reason I even know a spam folder existed was because someone said they sent me money and I was like, I didn't get it. (laughs) So they said, check your spam. I didn't even know spam was. Oh boy. Yeah. (laughs) So I check that thing often. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I check daily. So, you know, if you're interested, I know times are tough and, uh, I told Josh because he's helped me, uh, like, you know, with the promoting basically that I work with him and people have reached out for anyone that, um, comes from you or comes from Josh, I give him a special rate. Oh, yeah. So I'll take care of him. Yeah. There you go, and if guys. you come, if you come mention from me, RJ, don't, men- don't mention yeah. Josh, mention me. Yeah. So I look better. Yeah. And if you come from RJ charge double. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, I appreciate everyone that, uh, that gets sent to me from, from you and from Josh and from everyone else. And I, you know, I understand everyone's going through a hard time. So I just take that all into consideration and just, um, you know, if we're going to get out of this stuff, you got to get out of it healthy. So, you know, once things finally do get back to normal, you just, you know, you're already in a good spot. You're not waiting to get into a good spot. Yeah. Rico, you're so good. Such Thanks. a good guy. Thanks. <laughs> Well, that does it for this week. Until then, see you next Tuesday.